is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition, a game day edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you as the Jets begin a four-game road trip in Columbus, Ohio tonight to take on Patrick Laine and the Blue Jackets will be all over it. Brandon Rowicki's going to jump on a little bit later on. We'll uh, get his thoughts on the Jets hitting the road after a um, shootout win against the Kraken and a big win on uh, Saturday night to resume their schedule against the Chicago Blackhawks. Just two points back of the Dallas Stars for first place in the Central and the Western Conference. Ted Wyman's going to come on first, though, today. we got a lot to get to with Ted. Of course, his, I know people are already talking about this in the chat, about <clears throat> Freezer's uh, report yesterday on uh, what is going on with the Winnipeg Ice or what isn't going on with the Winnipeg Ice, and that, of course, is the construction of a facility that was seemingly part of the requirements for them to move here, which is really sad because, man, this is an incredible hockey team um, that is poised to take a serious run at a WHL championship and the Memorial Cup. But we're really focused in on a couple things with Ted. CFL free agency, get Ted's thoughts on the lay of the land, the Bombers and the rest of the league, as well as the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts with so much Manitoba flavor as that kicks off tomorrow out at the uh, Sandman Center out west. Um, and then a little later on, we'll have uh, Dan Fink jump on as well. Uh, Moose played last night and are back at it on Friday and Sunday and we'll have some tickets for those games as well, so make sure to stick around later on. We'll give away tickets today. We'll spin the wheel for tomorrow's game. And if you want to enter to win tickets for the February 19th game, which I believe is the Dylan Sandberg bobble game, bobblehead game, um, go to winnipegsportstalk.com and hit the contest link, and you can enter to win there. Remo will hand those out on Friday as we get into the weekend, which I just realized was a long weekend. Right on. Louis Riel Day coming up on Monday. Um, so you can all plan yourselves accordingly. I know it's cold today. It's going to get nicer tomorrow, at least for the weekend, before it maybe gets a little chillier next week. Uh, hey, listen, just before we bring in Michael Remus and get this show on the road, got to thank the sponsors that make this program happen each and every day. Leading the way is CoolBet Canada, Princess Auto, our friends at Little Brown Jug, not AutoCorp, CoolBet Canada, uh, Canadian Club, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, Consolidated Supply, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Manitoba Battery, and of course, Nick and Nicky in the Nick and Nicky DQ group. Uh, Michael Remus, what's going on? How are you? Us counting down to another Winnipeg Jets game night, uh, Columbus, early start. You know, I, we talked yesterday with this upcoming road trip, you know, kind of kick it up on easy mode, looking at the, like, sorry, Columbus, but I'm looking at the league standings right now, and they're at the bottom, and their goals against per game was, I mean, what was it here, 381 like, you know how, how as good as the Buffalo Sabres are at scoring goals? Uh, the Blue Jackets give them up at the same rate. So it's crazy to think that this is the team that embarrassed the Jets at home ice a couple weeks ago. Um, but here we are, rematch. And uh, we'll looking forward to seeing how the Jets kick off this road trip. Let me ask you this, and I'll throw this to the chat as well. Not that we need to spend too much time talking about the first game in December. But... Um... 
I remember I was on the way back from the Middle East um, from the World Cup when that game was being played. And I think I was in like the Abu Dhabi airport and I was following the game. And I'm looking at the tweets from everyone and they were just saying that it was the most dead Friday night game they can remember. Patrick Liney scored two goals and it was just a really uncharacteristic performance for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, certainly at home this year with how well that they've played. Um, and you knew that Line was going to be up for a game returning home with maybe a few more eyeballs on him than normally happened at the Nationwide Arena in uh, in Columbus. But it did seem like that was a real off night for the Winnipeg Jets, Remo. And I, I would suggest that, I would certainly hope that Rick Bonus will be quite mindful of that and remind his hockey club that, um, you know, if you don't come ready to uh, ready to work and ready to do the things that they've done for the most part this season wins are not guaranteed even if you're playing against teams near the bottom of the standings yeah it was december 2 columbus winning 4-1 which just seemed crazy the time the jets were playing so well and columbus comes in and who gets on the score sheet patrick line with two goals and coming into tonight line is a bit cold has you know how he's streaky is hot and cold he hasn't scored in seven, the last seven games. So I know the guys in Columbus think that he's due. Uh, for one, you know, he wants to score against his former team. And we'll see see how it goes. He's actually playing on the second line tonight. He's not playing with uh, Johnny Gaudreau and Boone, Boone Jenner. So uh, I know they'll probably get some power play time, I'm sure. But we will see, you know, see what happens here with the Blue Jackets and how they perform. They're, they're fired up, Huss. They... Lost last game to New Jersey. They gave up the game-winning goal with 1.4 seconds left. I mean, for a team that, yeah, you guys hear people on the podcast can't see your face, but for a team that's uh, finding wins hard to come by, um, you know, just avoiding that, or maybe it was great, maybe it was intentional because they're trying for the tank. So who knows? Although I don't know, I don't, I don't think, think you're that really was trying... the plan. I don't think that was the plan when they started out this season when they gave all that money to Johnny Gaudreau yeah. and and. And listen, I mean, th- there is some interesting players on this roster. I mean, you mentioned that Line is going to be playing with Cole Sillinger and the youngster Kent Johnson on line number two. Johnson, a really, really talented young player. Um, and this Kirill Marchenko, who I'll be honest, I do not know a lot about playing on the right side along with um, along with those guys. And I'm just looking at Marchenko has played. <laughs> Look at these numbers. You want to talk about a Cy Young number this year? He's played 31 games. He's got 14 goals and one assist. He was a second rounder in 2018, and this is his first 31 games in the National Hockey League. He'd been in Russia up until last year, started off the season with the American Hockey League Cleveland Monsters, was better than a point a game in the American Hockey League, and now 14-1 and for 15 points on the season. Um, but further down the roster... Sean Corrali with Matthew Olivier and Eric Robinson on the third line. And there's Jack Roslevic, fourth line center right now for the Columbus Blue Jackets with Emil Bemstrom and Liam Foudy. Um, Roslevic does not even figure into the power play right now. And um, I know there's a lot of talk about lining. Um, 
But man, I kind of thought that Roslovic at one point, and actually throw that up again because I guess that's a little different than what uh, Daily Faceoff this, has. Remote. Yeah, this up. is this is from the Blue Jackets um, official Twitter. So I don't know if Daily Faceoff has it, but they have Roslovic on the. They third just line. have the third and fourth lines ordered differently. Um, yeah. But anyways, the reason I bring this up is for Roslovic. I mean, Jack, for his part this season, is actually fourth in scoring. He's been given a ton of opportunities though, and still just has the four goals on the season and 28 points. Um, and I think he really thought that coming home, he would be, you know, more of a key player for Columbus. And um, you wonder what this, what the future of Jack Rossovic is in Columbus and in the National Hockey League, considering um, the opportunities that were presented to him when he got traded there and just the fact that it hasn't really clicked for him so far. Although he's played in just about all the games, he is somewhat productive scoring wise and I guess they could get a little bit of you know some offense chipping in from one of the uh, third or fourth lines that would be a positive for a team that hasn't scored a ton and certainly as you mentioned has had a very hard time keeping the puck out of their own net you mentioned Jack Rosovic I was just looking through Frank Cervelli's uh, updated trade board I don't know if he's doing like one every day until <laughs> until the deadline but he did have Jack Rosovic new on the list coming in at 37. I think he's. I think they're all competing now. It's like the Royal Rumble has. You know, used to be like what, like twenty men, then it's like thirty men. Oh no, we got the biggest Royal Rumble, forty men, and now it's like, how many guys can you have on your trade on your trade board? He thinks you go forty five people on the trade board. It's the biggest one out there. But he had forty uh, thirty seven for Jack Rosovic, and he's got a one year left at four million dollars. And I actually wondered if he would be an interesting uh, depth piece uh, for the Winnipeg. Winnipeg Jets. We talked about, you know, joked about bringing Kevin Hayes home last year. What about bringing Jack Rosovic home? I know he is home. Not, with a, Columbus, not at that ticket. Not I at that ticket. Yeah, I think a lot of and a lot of the criticism about him is kind of the stuff that was here, just inconsistency. He would have good games and you'd give him time on the top power play, and then he would kind of go quiet and he wouldn't be able to put it together for multiple games in a row. I mean, overall, his numbers last year, I think he had twenty goals. And uh, just looking at at this season, he's got uh, the opposite of the Cy Young has four goals, twenty four assists for twenty eight points. Yeah, last year he had, he was pretty even twenty two, twenty three for forty five. So, um, I, interesting. You know, he thought going home would be a, a benefit for him, but he's really bounced. He's played, I think, on every line uh, the last couple of years. Well, the big story in Winnipeg was that Jack Rosovic was just you know the team was too good, and there just wasn't that spot in yeah. the top six for him. Um, he got traded to Columbus, which has plenty of room in the top six for somebody to go in and make something happen. Has played it there at times. And as you mentioned, did have a 22-goal season last year, which is nothing to sneeze at. Um, and maybe that might give you some value on a $4 million contract. But um, that's not the case right now. And the former first-rounder, I think, in some ways, at a bit of a crossroads. You know, you mentioned comparing those big trade boards in the and the, the Royal Rumble. Reminded me of the infamous CWE Rumble to Remember yes. that uh, we all went to together, which was a 50-man, 50-man Rumble. Yeah. Except the fact of the matter is that there were many guys that were going in three and four times in different <laughs> outfits. So um, you can add guys and you can put their names on the board that maybe doesn't necessarily mean that they're likely to be traded at all. But we are in trade deadline season and there's no shortage of takes suggestions and rumored names in on the uh, on the market tons of talk about eric carlson these days just quickly and we'll get back to the jets in a minute um 
you know, watching that Oiler game last night, Reem, uh, where Jack Campbell would have been nice to mix in a save in the first couple of periods. They probably would have had a much better chance of winning the game. Uh, he was good in the third period. They did battle back and get to a four-all and then lose in a shootout. But a ton of talk about Eric Carlson potentially being added to added to the uh, Edmonton Oilers lineup. Um, you know, certainly what they're talking about being thrown out that way would be a massive haul for San Jose. And they looked to basically turn their team over. And I don't think they need a all-star defenseman making $11.5 million for the next four seasons. Um, but I do wonder about that fit with the Oilers because it's kind of seeming like you're just going with more of what they have already, and that's incredible offense with a major issue when it comes to keeping the puck out of their own net and doing things defensively. And obviously from Edmonton's perspective, I mean, no spread out scoring. It's so heavy, top heavy. And I'd imagine that would maybe even get even top heavier if Eric Carlson was in the mix. Yeah, you know, talk about a team that needs to go all in and needs to just go for it and just trade trade away all of their futures. Uh, it should be Edmonton. They've been treading water, borderline playoffs for years. You have Connor McDavid. You have Leon Dreisel. You're kind of wasting what these guys can do. Like, I don't really care. I mean, if you're Edmonton, like, can you really get hung up on what a prospect can do in a couple of years? You know, whether it's, who's this guy, DeHarnay or what, Broberg? Are these the guys that are like a first-round pick? Like, you have Connor McDavid. You have Leon Dreisaitl. I know they, they're up against the cap, so adding guys is hard for them. But just just put your foot on the gas and go for it. Do you know, They need to acquire someone, I think, Hus, because, like, what what are you waiting for with these guys? You're just, I don't know. If you're Connor McDavid, you're kind of probably annoyed that they can't build a team around you, and they're up against the cap, and they don't have anyone in the bottom six who can score. So... <laughs> Um, another team that's you know that's curious that I think needs to make a move and Carlson would be an awesome move. They've been trying to get a defenseman for a while, but I don't know is that is that the right type of player that they need? But well, I mean, I mean he's, he's awesome. Impactful. So like he's you're not gonna impactful. be like, no, I don't want Eric Carlson on my team. He's he's one of the best in the league. I'll I'll say this, and I mean, listen, we've talked a lot about you know the the urge um, and many people's desires to for the Winnipeg Jets to really push all in and trade first round picks and trade prospects and try to give them the best chance to win. And certainly, I think there's you know a, a there's a, a I'd say probably the majority of fans feel that way, considering the uncertainty of the next couple seasons uh, with the way this roster is going to look and how wide open the West is. But if you're Ken Holland and you're Edmonton. You have to be thinking that maybe as much as any team in the National Hockey League. Um, and, you know, just we were doing the lock shop and talking about a bit of the Oilers and, and these picks. And, you know, they're still fourth right now in the Pacific Division, albeit it's two points separating first from fourth. But they basically went on a streak of a month ream where they only lost one game in regulation. And yet they're still right there in the mix. I mean, we talked about these standings right now, and listen, it's a good spot to be in if you're where the Winnipeg Jets are or even where the Oilers are in that group because, as we know, it's so hard to make up ground even if you pretty much run the table for a month because of the single points that are be given out for teams that go to overtime. There's really no way to, I mean, unless you basically win every game and teams spend some time losing in regulation, it's really tough to make much ground on your opponents and right now for teams like the Jets at least they got to win games like this one tonight and just maintain their position and don't let the chasers catch them yeah and the best way to do that is beat the teams 
you should beat and playing against Columbus, and we don't want to see a repeat of last game, last, um, you know, last time these two teams played. So, uh, you know, Jets, you just want to go over the Jets lineup here. Um, moving on. Um, it's Connor Hellbuck not getting the start. I wonder if he wasn't going to start anyways for this game. It's going to be Dave Riddick. They said, you know, he's Hellbuck's well enough to back up, but he didn't start last game because of the illness. And, you know, I tweeted out Riddick's numbers, and we talked about them yesterday, just how good he's been. I think they're comfortable going with Riddick. And if you're not playing your backup against the worst team in the league, like, why do you even, why is he on your roster, I think? So, um, you know, give Hellbuck the rest, and, you know, you're going to need him for these upcoming games against the tough, you know, New York teams, Devils, Islanders, and uh, Rangers, who are red hot as well. So that's the goalie situation. Well, and and you know what? This is interesting because um, I don't think it was in the plans to have Hellebuck not play in either of these games this week. But like Ken had said, Ken was sort of assuming, and I remember him saying going into the break that he thought that Riddick was going to get the uh, get the start on the set late Saturday game against the Blackhawks. But it was Hellebuck in, and maybe that works out well because the fact that he was sick and didn't play in the game on Tuesday and Big Save Dave gets the start again tonight, that's going to be eight days between starts for Connor Hellebuck. And I don't think it will change the way they're planning on playing their goalies over the next little bit, but this could be the busiest that David Riddich is all year long because, of course, they go to New Jersey on Sunday night after two days off, a rare Friday-Saturday um, off days, and then you've got those back-to-backs against the against the Devils and the New York Rangers followed up with the Wednesday game against the New York Islanders and then basically playing every second day. So, um, you know, Dave was real strong in the game against Seattle. They'll look to get another good performance from their backup tonight. And then I'm not sure if the plan, I think you would logically think that Dave would be playing at MSG against the Rangers. Um, but I guess if Hellebuck's feeling up to it and hasn't played in eight days, maybe they go back to back with him. But that hasn't really been the MO of Rick Bonus, Wade Flaherty, and their coaching staff so far. So if anything, this is just a chance for David Riddish to uh, get a couple more starts than maybe we would have expected coming out of the break and continue his strong play that's been a big part of where the Winnipeg Jets are right now in the standings. Yeah, he's been, I mean, he's been pretty solid. And we talked about his record yesterday. He's won way more than he's lost. And I think he's done exactly what he's being paid to do as a backup. And they got to be happy with signing him. Uh, meanwhile, you know, I think early, was it early on in the season, we were saying, oh, they should have kept Comrie. They made a mistake. And, you know, he played pretty well early, but um, he hasn't had a, a great run um, as of late. I know he played, he did win in Winnipeg, but what was it? Uh, I don't know. I think the goals against has been, uh, a bit worse, although it could be could be team based. Anyways, we don't need to compare those anymore. We did have some other news from Jets practice. Ken Weeb saying uh, David Gustafson skating in a non-contact jersey, so we're still waiting for him. And Sam, it sounds like Sam Gagne getting in here for probably Carson Kuhlman. I'm not 100, percent but bonus saying after practice that look, he's had time to sit out. They want to make sure people don't get rusty, and it's his turn to get in. And again, you're playing against. Columbus, who's the worst record in the league, this would be a time to do that. So Sam Gagne uh, back in the lineup uh, tonight. Yeah, they, uh, Matt, can you believe they've got 36 points on the season? Yeah. You just said that the worst record in the league. I'm like, 36 points. They've only won 16 games so far this year, 11 17 at two at home. 
and 5-17-2 and two on the road. Man, that is brutal. Um, as far as the Jets go, though, when you mentioned with the potential return of Sam Gagne into the lineup, I think you're right. I think Kuhlman is probably the most logical one to uh, to come out. Certainly, we've seen Saku Menelainen playing some significant roles on the PK. And uh, Steny was in on PP2 last game as well, Remo. So I think you are right. I think if they do get uh, Gagne to back into the lineup for a game, Carson Kuhlman's probably the guy that comes out. Um, and you keep running with Connor, Dubois, and Ehlers. Perfetti, Shifley, and Wheeler. And again, we have seen Perfetti and Ehlers kind of swap spots, but Bonus really sticking with those pairings of Dubois and Connor and Shifley and Wheeler. And the third line, you know, we talked a lot about Adam Lowry and the way he played and the kick saves and the penalty kills. I thought that line was really good against Seattle. I thought Morgan Barron had a great jump in his step, although he, you know, maybe too much of a jump. He ended up with that high sticking penalty, which was in the offensive zone. And I thought Mason Appleton looked good as well in that game. And, you know, I know that they wanted to get back to Appleton, Lowry, and Barron when Appleton was finally healthy. And, um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see quite quite a bit of those guys tonight, depending on the matchups that Rick Bonus can get against either Patrick Liney or the Johnny Gaudreau line. Yeah, Mason Appleton, how much better would a stat line look if he would have scored on that breakaway? And I agree, he's looked uh, pretty solid, and they seem to like that line, which leads me to leave. You know, going through the trade deadline, like what kind of you know how would things balance up? Would they keep that line together if someone else was at it, or? I mean, how would the Lions shake up? That's conversation we're going to be having for the upcoming weeks. But they, I agree, they do like that Appleton, uh, Lowry, a Baron line. Um, you know, we'll talk more about this with Rewiki coming up, and I guess we'll also get to some of the uh, the trade bait the boards. And you mentioned Frank's trade targets list. It's not trade bait; it's trade targets. <laughs> uh, Timo Meyer still number one. Chikrin number two. You mentioned Dave. Maybe you know for folks that missed the the show on Tuesday. When you were um, talking to uh, Dave Poulin about this, Poulin had an interesting hypothesis, if you will, about the Chikrin situation right now, that a deal's actually done, uh, but they need to wait to technically pull the trigger to the cap. Yeah, yeah that's, what, um, that's what he said. So we'll have to wait and see what happens with him. The one notable that we've been talking about, stock down, is Jonathan Taves. He's out of the top 10 in... Frank Cervelli's trade bait list. He's missed six games with an illness, and I think maybe teams are concerned he did miss, was it last season, um, you know, with the syndrome that he was dealing with. So, and he also, you know, hasn't played as well as, you know, he had earlier in his career. And he is, you know, out of the top 10 on Frank Cervelli's trade bait yeah, list. Yeah, well, and here's the thing. He hasn't played since before the All-Star break, sitting out six games with an illness. They haven't said what it was. He's not going to return for the final game of the trip in Ottawa. They say he continues to work out, but there's no plan in place for him to return. And let's not forget that he missed the entire 2021 season with that chronic immune response syndrome believed to be related to long COVID. So I think some real question marks about Jonathan Taves. In theory... I think there's a pretty interesting fit, but like uh, we heard Jeff Merrick kind of describe a couple days ago, it's one thing to romanticize about a reunion of a guy coming home with the incredible resume that he has, um, but I think it's important to find out exactly where Taves is right now. And I don't put too much into the numbers. Everyone in Chicago has terrible numbers this year, um, but where is Jonathan Taves at and what is he bringing to a team that gets him today? 
because this isn't 2013 Jonathan Taves right now. It's 2023 Jonathan Taves. Hey, well, speaking of Chicago, did you see Patrick Kane? You see the shift uh, yesterday going around on on Twitter. Um, you know, for a guy who's trying to get traded, I mean, some of the uh, effort on those, and he's kind of been an offense only player for a bit here. But I mean, I'm really not sure how it's going to shake out. I mean, those guys are making such big money. Every team is up against the cap. I mean, I don't know why Chicago, if they really wanted to trade them, why would they wouldn't just eat the salary and just get what you can? Like, what do they care? It's either they pay them pay them to play there well, and the get... the thing is that he's yeah. got to decide where he wants to go. I mean, up until a week ago, the word was, oh, they hadn't just fully decided yet. I'm not sure whether I really buy that. And then, of course, he was all bent because the Rangers went and traded for Tarasenko. So at some point, you got to make up your mind, I think, and allow your general manager to, you know, have what? the most options to to get to, you know, go somewhere. If you want to play playoff hockey, if you want to pull a Matt Sundin and just say, no, I'm fine here and I've got plans after game 83, I've got my cup rings, play out your contract and figure it out in the summer. Um, so all of that, there's a lot of noise around the Chicago Blackhawks right now. Um, for obvious reasons. And another team that is in uh, that Blackhawk neighborhood is the Columbus Blue Jackets. And we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. But Ted Wyman's going to come. We've got a lot of lot of interesting topics to hit with Ted. Um, but just before we do that, we've got to give a big shout-out to our friends at Manitoba Battery. If you're in need for a battery or your car, your truck, or even that summer tro- a toy you're working on this winter, Manitoba Battery has the most convenient and well-priced option in the city. How convenient, you ask? Well, you can put the order in for a battery at lunchtime today or around the start of Winnipeg Sports Talk and have it sitting on your doorstep in two to four hours for less money than you'd spend anywhere else in Winnipeg on the same battery. It's that simple. Order a battery today before 1.30 p.m. and get it before the end of the workday. Basically, the Amazon of batteries here in Winnipeg, and you're shopping and supporting local. No fighting for a parking spot at Costco. No waiting in line at Canadian Tire. No more spending money on a battery at the big box stores. Let Manitoba Battery bring it to you while you focus on more important things. Make that phone call or order online at manitobabattery.com. It's that simple, my friends. Let Manitoba Battery simplify your life and save some money as well. Um, Our friends at Consolidated Supply, ready for a golf season, of course. Mean Gene, doing great work, getting the golf carts out to the courses around the Around the province, if you are in the market for any sort of golf cart, they are the exclusive club cart dealer in Manitoba. Also, the experts when it comes to irrigation systems and artificial turf, not just for golf courses, but for your property as well. And if you're thinking about a maybe a, a, a project to uh, enhance your enjoyment levels in that backyard, think about a beautiful outdoor kitchen. They've got many great options as well as a spa or a hot tub. Find out everything Consolidated Supply can do for you online at cte.ca or pop down, visit my guy Joe, Spicy, the rest of the crew at 1395 Niaqua Road East. And they are open to the public. Pop down and see them today. Um, hey, we're into February right now, still welcoming nominations for the unsung hero in your community. Look, every one of you knows one person that whether they're spending long hours volunteering at the community center, making sure all those kids' programs are running, uh, whether it's doing all sorts of extra work at the local schools to help 
out those in need and spending time or whether it's just being one of the most dedicated volunteers around or helping neighbors in times of need. Those are the unsung heroes we're looking for with the program with Wallace and Wallace and Josh Morrissey. Send us a nomination today to unsung hero at winnipegsportstalk.com. Our monthly unsung hero receives a autographed jersey from Jets all-star defenseman Josh Morrissey. Wallace and Wallace will donate $500 to the Dream Factory in the name of the WST listener who nominated our unsung hero. And Josh and Margot Morrissey will match that donation as well. Of course, Josh is an ambassador for the Dream Factory. It's a win-win-win. Get us those nominations today with Wallace and Wallace at Unsung Hero at WinnipegSportsTalk.com. And just before we bring in Ted, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, pop by Vita Health Fresh Market. And when you do, you're supporting a great local company, family-owned and operated since 1936 carrying Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too. February is heart month, folks. It's crucial to support this vital organ with omega-3 fatty acids. We can't always get enough in our diets, so supplement with RX Omega-3 fish oil by Natural Factors. It helps support cardiovascular health, cognitive function, eye health, and helps with joint plane flexibility, and it's on sale today at Vita Health. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. All right, let's get Ted Wyman in here. We got lots to talk about. Scotty's kicking off CFL free agency and some big local stories as well. Ted, what's up? How are you? I'm doing great, Huss. It's been a while. How are you, my friend? It is. It's great to have you back on the program. And listen, I want to get to a couple of your main beats, but just right off the bat, um, Freezer had a bit of a bombshell yesterday in the sun. And this is something that we'd been talking about for a while. And listen, I knew when the ice came, there were big plans to, to build that rink. The team is incredible. I mean, they're going to be packing, hopefully packing the Max Bell for a long playoff run, but it wasn't supposed to be this way. Um, I know you would have talked to Paul a little bit. I mean, what are you hearing about this and how, how serious is the situation with the ice that are so great on the ice? Um, but so many of the things that I think were a hope got, got delayed by the pandemic. And at this point, it sounds like the WHL is sort of saying, well, this needs to get rectified. All right. Well, so it's definitely not my story. It was Paul's story, but you know, from my understanding of, is what you're saying which is that the whl is you know confused by what has taken place here in winnipeg they expected more um there was an agreement in place to have an arena built that hasn't happened and there's definitely been some talk from what we've heard uh, with the board of governors about what the future of this team looks like and that is kind of shocking given that you know that they just keep winning you know they have more than 40 wins they have less than 10 losses it's you know james patrick and uh, uh and that those those players are doing an incredible job of uh of being one of the very best teams in the country and possibly uh, a, a true contender for the memorial cup but you just it, it, you know it's been curious obviously to me over the years as to why they haven't broken ground on the arena why things haven't moved forward in that direction and i did cover the team during the playoffs last year in Max Bell Center, and I mean that just like I covered the Western Hockey League for years, and in places like Moose Jaw and Brandon, and uh, uh, you know Prince Albert and Saskatoon, and uh, and you name it in the in the West, 
they have pretty darn fine arenas. Um, you know, some of them weren't always that great, but they're, they're smaller sized NHL arenas these days. A lot of them, you know, maybe only five to 7,000 seats. Some of them are bigger, but then you got a team here in Winnipeg, which is a big market and they've got an excellent team and they're playing in, you know, 12 to 1400 seats or whatever uh, that arena holds the Wayne Fleming arena out there at the U of M. And it just didn't seem right. It didn't seem like it would be possible to be profitable the same way that other teams are when they're making, when they have that many more seats. And of course it became curious, even during that good playoff run last year, that being said, the atmosphere was great in that building. And I did enjoy the aspect oh, of, me too. Uh, of it was watching great. a game there, but it's not what was expected. So you had to believe that something was coming down the pipe, and I think, uh, you know, people are getting restless in that league. Well, and uh, folks can uh, get to the Winnipeg Sun and read Paul's article on it. I mean, the other thing, and I mean, obviously, I love going to ice games. I love watching this team. I mean, they are so good, and uh, people should take advantage of it now because, I mean, this isn't like building a dynasty that's going to be around. I mean, players leave. I mean, it's very cyclical right now, and this does seem to be the year for the Winnipeg Ice but from a city sports perspective, um, Ted, one of the reasons why I was so excited that the team came here is that I think we can all agree that there is definitely a need in this city for a small to medium-sized arena yeah. for junior hockey. I mean, I thought that would have been a per – if, if it was built, it would make tons of sense that that would be a place where the new basketball team, yeah. the Seabears, would have played. and. I know there's always talk about uh, Canada Life Centre. That building is so busy right now. You've got two hockey teams playing full professional schedules, and then you've got concerts and stuff coming in. I mean, I don't think it's feasible to add a third regular tenant there. So at some point, something's got to give. And that, I think, just from a local sports story, was why there was so much optimism about what Greg Fettis has done, getting the building coming here, building it along with Matt Cockle. And they've done such a great team, uh, such a great job on the ice. Um, but I understand where the concern lies. And to be honest, I kind of thought we'd start hearing things like this maybe even earlier. At the same time, building a new building in the middle of the pandemic, I think, was would have been very dangerous because no one knew what sort of building codes were going to change, whether things were going to need to be significantly different. But we are where we are now in 2023. They've been here for a while. The team is going to be the center of attention throughout the playoffs, and it will be playing in the smallest building in the Western Hockey League with seemingly no end in sight, although I'd love to hear that that's not the case and they're going to be breaking ground soon. But certainly, I think if those answers were there, we probably would have heard them by now. Well, you have to just, you know, riffing off what you're saying, you have to look at it and say, yeah, maybe the pandemic plays a role in that. I mean, if you're getting ready to break ground on an arena and the West, the Western Hockey League is not even playing full seasons. One of the seasons, they just had 24 games all in a bubble in Regina. You don't know what the future is like. And I mean, I could understand there being some trepidation and not delaying things. There's For no sure. doubt about it. But I, I do believe the expectation was that things would be back on track by now. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a really interesting situation. Another thing you touched on in there, Huss, is that they have gone all in on this team. They've already, they drafted extremely well. They had a lot of first round, first overall picks, second overall picks. They had a lot of opportunities to get really good players and they've built up something impressive uh, with this organization, but they've also traded a lot of their future now to be all in for this year. And, that, and that's one of the reasons why they're one of the best teams. And I did actually read an article today that was saying, 
Well, what would another community even be getting if the if the ice moved there? Once all these great players graduate that the, that are with the organization right now, um, you know, when they move on to the professional ranks, what's going to be left? Because they don't have any picks for the next few years. And I mean, is a new community going to be able to support a team that has to go through that kind of a rebuild? So it's a really interesting conundrum as to what possibly can happen here. The best possible scenario I could see would be for you know the owners of the ice to actually make an announcement that this arena is on track and that they have a transition plan up until that point I think that's what everybody wants to hear but they don't we don't hear a ton from them huh so I mean that adds to the ambiguity of it all yeah well and, and listen I got to give them so much credit for the way they built that team and even the way they've handled the situation over the last few years being in Max Bell I mean their promotions have been great. They've done a lot of things to get people into the building. Um, I think it's a very fun and great family atmosphere um, for taking young kids to games. And the hockey's been amazing. Um, and and listen, they came from Kootenai as one of the worst teams in the league and have built through these years. And we talk about these cycles. I mean, I don't want to even get into the possibility of the team not being here in seasons to come. Um but it could be history repeating itself where you got to go through some tough times and you build up. Bottom line is right now, get on out to see the ice and uh, hopefully we'll have many more seasons to come of ice hockey. But I'm not sure they'll have a better chance at any point in the reasonable near future to do what this team has done so far this season. Um, I do want to get back to the ice. We've got the Scotties coming up, but of course it's been a huge week in the Canadian Football League, Ted, and... CFL free agency is always interesting, especially now with the tampering, uh, the tampering. But let's go back to last week. Um, things get going and word breaks that Kenny Lawler's coming back to Winnipeg. Um, how realistic did you think that was as we got into this? Did, were you surprised that Kyle Walters was able to make that happen? Or uh, did you kind of think that he was the apple of their eye? And if you know one thing about Kyle Walters, he's um, been able to get their guy more often than not. I think in a lot of ways it was almost vice versa. I think the Bombers were the apple of Kenny Lawler's eye. I mean, I from right from the beginning, I, the rumblings I was hearing is that he wanted to come back. Uh, I think he was very excited about the possibility that the Bombers were going to trade for him last year. Unfortunately, he got hurt before that trade could happen, and it didn't happen. But I think that, you know, like the grass wasn't necessarily greener in going to Edmonton. He definitely was the highest paid receiver in the league. But he was involved in a losing franchise that really did not uh, have a fun season. They didn't have a lot of crowds. They didn't have much success on the field. They were working with a young quarterback who uh, hasn't quite found his way in this league yet. And I think Kenny Lawler looked and went, wait a second, <laughs> what did I leave? I've got, you know, there you got Zach Caleros and Stanley Bryant and the Nick Dembski and Adam Big Hill and, and uh, Willie Jefferson. And Brandon Alexander and some of the best veterans in this league that have are, are a big reason why the team has been in the Great Cup three years in a row. And I mean, I don't, I, I do think that Kenny Lawler wanted to come back to Winnipeg more than anything, and it was just about the Bombers finding the room within their budget and their cap space to make it happen. Um, the, the rumor I had heard before the tempering window had opened was that the Bombers were going to go and try to woo him. I don't necessarily think they had to try to woo him. I think that there was a match made in heaven there. Well, and I, I guess a big part of it, I mean, you have to look at it in the um, context of the entire receiving core. You have pretty significant money, although nowhere close to Kenny Lawler money, tied up in Greg Ellingson last year. 
And Ellingson missed a lot of time on the year. And of course, that gave the perfect opportunity for Dalton Schoen to emerge as one of the top receivers in the Canadian Football League and the guy that had the best season receiving-wise by the numbers. Schoen, I'll be honest, Ted, and maybe it was naive, but I just saw the way that he played last year and how incredibly effective he was and thought that this was going to be one and done. But unlike Nathan Rourke, who had tons of suitors, and Freezer also has a piece on this in the Sun today on this, um, you know, he got some workouts, he got some looks, some conversations, but nothing happened. And now you've got one of the most productive receivers in the league coming back on a rookie contract, Ellingson leaving. Um, obviously, Rashid Bailey's still a free agent. It seemed like it actually ended up being relatively simple for the Bombers to get a number that Kenny Lawler could get get with and get within their cap situation here in Winnipeg to try and get back to the top of the mountain. Well, it's a good point that Sean really Sean's contract really helps with that. There's no doubt about it. And for his sake, uh, given that what's happened here with the NFL, it seems unlikely that he could do much more to try to get an opportunity down there. So for his sake, you know, let's hope he gets uh, his due after this season and is paid well in the Canadian Football League for years to come because he was an incredibly exciting player um, and and just did a fantastic job as a rookie of adapting to Canadian rules and embracing them and making them work for him. So what the scouts have been saying about him in the NFL is that he's just not that fast off the line and therefore he's more suited to the Canadian game where you can get a running start with the waggle. And I find it so weird because, uh, you know, D Derek Taylor, our buddy over at uh, CGOB, has definitely posted some numbers where he caught long passes while starting off the line last season. It's not like it never happened. Um, but the thing that I just find so odd is when you watch him, he's always open. So how could he not have good speed? I mean, he's always found uh, an opening. And, and when it comes to the scramble plays, when we know Zach Caleros can move around and out of the pocket and get uh, a chance to extend the play and find someone downfield, who did he find 90% of the time? Well, it was Dalton Schoen. So is that just intelligence and not so much speed? I find that hard to believe. And I, and I, I thought it was curious. And one of the things that was said in Freezer's piece today was that, you know, the scouts were looking at the 15-minute workout that they were having with him in, you know, in their camps and not the body of work that he had over 20 games in the CFL last year and just repeated success. So I find it, I, I really find it curious, but hey, I'm not an NFL scout. I don't know what their decisions, you know, what goes through their minds and their decisions. They did probably have some tape from him from opportunities that he had with the Kansas City Chiefs earlier in his career. Uh, and, and maybe they just feel like it's passed them by, but it's great news for the CFL. He seems like a guy that's absolutely happy to embrace it. He's happy to be a part of the Blue Bombers. He wants to win championships. Um, I'm sure that Zach Caleros is thrilled to have not only him back, but of course, Kenny Lawler and Nick Dembski to throw to. And overall, you know, I don't see a lot of reasons to think that the Bombers offense will be any less productive than it was last year. Should be more. Oh, listen, I'm with you. I mean, I'll make an argument that they're far better set right now, even probably with a few more additions still to come than they were last season. And, hey, the way they did it last season with Ellingson out quite a bit, I mean, you know, it speaks to just how great of a year that Zach had in, you know, he was able to move the football around, but Schoen became such a reliable target and such a game-breaker. And at 26 years old, Ken, this really did seem like this was his opportunity coming off that season to get a legitimate chance in the NFL. 
That hasn't happened. He'll come back here. And I think now there's a real possibility that Dalton Schoen builds off his incredible rookie season and could very well become a mainstay in this Bomber receiving core for many years to come. I'm sure they would love that. You know, I, I you know, obviously we do know now that they have invested a lot of money over three years in Nick Dembski, over two years in Kenny Lawler. You know, you would assume that Kyle Walters is thinking about that, about how they're going to be able to afford a guy like Schoen next season um, and other players. But, you know, at some point here, some of their big ticket guys are going to retire. Um, Stanley Bryant is on a one-year deal again here. He gets well paid and he obviously, you know, I mean, it's a year-to-year thing with him, but I think he's 37 and, uh, you know, the odds are that he's going to call it quits uh, sooner than later. Uh, Jamarcus Hardrick as well. Like, you know, there's guys that are making money on this team that may not be planning to play forever. And so that kind of attrition would, I think, allow the Bombers to free up that money again to go uh, for another, you know, high-ticket receiver. It would be interesting to have three high-ticket receivers on your roster in, you know, in terms of how you manage your salary cap. Uh, and as we know, Dem- Dembski and uh, Lawler are signed through for next season as well. So, I, you know, hey, man, let's put it this way. I think Kyle Walters and his money people with the Blue Bombers have done an exemplary job of what they're supposed to do in terms of bringing cl- talent in, signing free agents, retaining them, and and just making a core that works in Winnipeg. So I have no reason to doubt that they'll continue to do that in the future. Ted, um, that being said, <clears throat> everyone isn't coming back. We saw Casey Sales sign elsewhere. Michael Couture going out west. Once the dust is, dust is settled on this first week of free agency, uh, what would you think about, uh, like, where, where's the biggest hole in this roster right now? What do you think Kyle's working on right now in their priority as we continue into the next couple of weeks? Yeah, it's pretty easy, in my opinion. The places that are going to have the most... Uh challenge for jobs right now there's three of them one will be defensive tackle they have ricky walker who they feel can easily step into the casey sales spot and and play that import spot on the defensive line but they're going to need some depth there so there will be a, uh, an opportunity for somebody to come in and uh, earn a job in that area i think wide receiver which is where rasheed bailey was last season i don't think they're going to be able to get find a deal with bailey he hasn't signed yet as far as i know haven't been looking at twitter in the re- very recent uh pass but um you know i don't think that they have the money to bring him in at what he deserves uh if somehow he decides to take a huge hometown discount i think there could be a possibility but i don't think so so i think their plan you know pencil right now is carlton agadosi who we saw have an extremely good game before getting hurt last year and i think maybe he's a guy that um could could be uh, you know could be really good it looked like but there's always going to be others that they bring in and look at and you never know someone like a dalton Schoen could come up again and surprise you and the third spot is kicker they didn't bring anybody in in free agency but if they don't have a big free agent or a big camp of americans canadians globals and mark leggio this year i think there'll be an outcry not only from the people uh you know who watch this thing but even you know the team themselves they need to see something that you know is going to guarantee that they have more consistency in the kicking area next year now ted i had to get to uh those stories with you but we know what the main event is for you starting tomorrow it is the scotties in kamloops um if you're a fan of manitoba curling you're going to be spending a lot of time watching tsn and carrie anderson who has become so dominant 
overall, but especially at this event, has a chance to make a little history. Uh, Carrie and her team, the team to beat in your mind? Absolutely. Until they knock them, somebody knocks them off the perch, then they are going to be the top team. And, you know, I, I really like Carrie's attitude. I talked to her yesterday, and she just said, you know, it's whoever handles the pressure in these events that is going to have the best uh, results. And, and I said, well, you know, how did it come that you handle the pressure? She said uh, so well. And she said, well, it didn't come immediately. But over the years, you, you know, you find a way to start handling the pressure and they just don't let it get to them. They have so much fun. She says when they go out there and they're laughing and they're smiling and it looks like they're not even, you know, like, 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 like not even in a professional situation. They're just having fun. That's when they're, they're at their absolute best. And so I think, you know, the, they love this event. They love being in. She loves being in the hack for the biggest shots. She no, trusts her teammates. And I think she's got an excellent chance of getting that fourth straight, which would tie Colleen Jones for the all-time record. But, you know, this is the deepest field I've ever seen for a Scotties. I know people say that every year, but I've never seen anything quite like this. And when you've had the breakups of the teams and the reformations, you've actually added more good teams into the mix right at the top. But even right down to about 15, 16 teams in this pool, in this, this Scotties, there's teams who have made the playoffs in the past or at least challenged for them. And I think, uh, I think Jen Jones and Kerry Anderson both told me they think that they've never seen a situation where it's more wide open and more teams could be close uh, at the end of this thing. So it's going to be a real challenge for Kerry to get that fourth straight. But, you know, I think they have it in them. But this is going to be really interesting to watch. Well, and a great point. I mean, you talk about all the new teams. I mean, the one team that didn't change at all, it's the old, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, was Team Anderson. Um, the Jen Jones rink is such a great story. Winning Manitoba with the Zacharias, the merging of her with the Zacharias team. And Caitlin Laws with a really different looking squad as well, um, right there. And you know, if I'm just looking at the odds right now over at Coolbet Canada, Carrie Anderson's the favorite. You've got Tracy Fleury joining Rachel Holman for a team that is right next in. But then Laws and Jones expected to be potentially right there on the weekend. Give us your quick thoughts on those other two Manitoba teams and how they're looking heading into this event. Well, you know, Joan, the Laws actually did not uh, even make the final in Manitoba, which was a surprise, but they, they've they been really good. Uh, it's a nice mix. Caitlin has slid into becoming a uh, skip very, uh, handled it extremely well. And then, you know, they've had issues because Caitlin delivered a baby in, in December, so they were missing her for a while. Uh, now Selena Nigovin is uh, the third, is, uh, you know, very close to delivering a baby herself. So she's sitting out the Scotties. They brought in Laura Walker, who's skipped in three Scotties herself for Alberta and has been uh, there on the last day before. So I think that's a really big addition, along with Jocelyn Peterman at second and Kristen McCush at lead. I, I think, you know, they're, they're newer. You know, they're the team that's really going to have to show me that they can do it at this level because we know Homan can get there. We know Anderson can get there. We know Jones can get there. But, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see that Laws team right in the mix for the championship. And, um, you know, and the Jones team, like, I think the, Mac, the Zacharias team without Jones was pretty close to being one of the top five teams in the country. And now you add Jones, and that just makes them so much better. And I think they're learning everything they possibly can from arguably the greatest skip in the history of uh, women's curling. And um, Jones herself said, you know, she doesn't feel, she's twice the age of almost everyone on that team. 
and she doesn't feel it at all. She said they're very mature. She feels young at heart, and it's a real nice mix. So I could see them being right in there as well. The flurry home and combination, that's going to be really interesting because, I mean, I guess it's being called Team Tracy Flurry now. It's been Team Rachel Holman forever. Just really interesting to see how that whole dynamic shakes out. Is Flurry throwing the last rock? She is, and calling the game. So, I mean, uh, they, they were calling it Team Holman all year, and that was being allowed. I don't think Curling Canada is going for that, that. That I believe they're calling it Team Tracy Flurry as, uh, as uh, Team Ontario. Well, I guess this year it just matters they're just Team Ontario as far yeah, as the exactly. Scotties goes, and we can go from there. Just before we go out, you've got Canada, Ontario, Laws Wildcard 1, Manitoba. Give me, we'll have six teams kind of qualifying for that playoff round. Um, outside of those teams, there are a team or two that maybe is a little off the radar that you think yeah. has it in them to uh, be playing on the weekend and you know be in it right till the end. Well, I don't know enough about the Megan Walter team, but Abby Ackland was the skip of that team for a long time. Walter is now the skip. The team is being called Team Megan Walter, uh, and they're a wild card. But they were like, what, fifth or sixth in the whole country in CTRS this year, so that's not easy to do. They've obviously had a very good year. They made it to the final in Manitoba. I think you'd be, you know, there'd be no reason for me to think that they won't be in contention for one of those playoff spots. I think Kayla Skirlick out of Alberta is somebody to really watch for. A younger skip uh, went uh, undefeated in Alberta. And if you haven't seen her last shot to win the Alberta Championship against Casey Scheidegger, go check it out on YouTube. The shot is fantastic. The team's reaction is even more fantastic. And they look like a team that will be really fun to watch for a long time. I like Scheidegger. She's never quite made it over the hump here, but has been hiding, you know, sort of lying around the weeds a while a while, and, and could get in there if they have a chance. And I honestly... Uh, I think it's it's shocking when you look at it. Uh, Krista McCarvel, I think, is is seated 14th out of 18 teams for this thing. She made the final last year. She's always close. Just because they don't play on tour, they don't get points, and that's why they're a low seed. But I think Krista McCarvel, it wouldn't be a shock to anyone if they're in the playoffs. Um, Ted, this has been awesome. I can't wait for it to get going. We uh, kind of made a few uh, wagers on it today in the lock shop, but. Uh... Fill us in on, uh, I imagine, daily coverage in the Winnipeg Sun. You're going to be all over this from uh, first rock till uh, they shaking hands at the end, the final. Pretty much, man. That's uh, that's the way we do it. Uh, you know, lots of, uh, like you said, with all those Manitoba games, it's going to be pretty great. Even if I'm writing national stories, I'm thinking Manitoba is going to figure into it almost every day. So I think that uh, is a nice bonus. Manitoba takeover in Kamloops begins tomorrow. Cannot wait for it, Ted. And uh, maybe if you've got some time next week, we can uh, maybe talk a little shop uh, midway through the tourney to uh, see how, how things are shaken up as uh, we get closer. Sounds I'm good. crossing my fingers. Einerson Jones final, all Manitoba. How good would that be? Yeah, that would be all, you know, it would be really sort of summing up what Manitoba has been all about for the last 10 years in, in women's curling. So that would be something. Scotty's Bombers and more all over it in the Winnipeg Sun Sports section. Ted Wyman, have a great one. Enjoy the tourney. All right. Have a good one, Huss. Good stuff. There is Ted Wyman. We're going to uh, get back to some puck talk, maybe a little football with Brandon Rewicki in just a minute uh, before we do that. Well, we probably will talk a little football, get his thoughts on the Super Bowl. We did have quite a quite a fun fun chat last week heading into the game. Um, I don't think I'll be 
seeing if Brandon wants to head down to Royal Sports and grab some Chiefs Super Bowl championship merchandise, but it should be showing up pretty soon. Of course, when uh, any team wins or, frankly, any team plays, chances are Royal Sports has the gear for that squad, the, uh, the, the number one spot for fan merchandise anywhere around with the biggest inventory that you've ever seen. It's Royal Sports. Thousands of pieces of Winnipeg Jets merchandise, tons of Winnipeg Blue Bomber gear, and the best of the NFL, National Hockey League, CFL, Major League Baseball, NBA and the Raptors, international soccer and more, all at the same time having the biggest hockey selection you'll find anywhere. Thousands of sticks, snowboards as we get closer to spring break. Royal Sports really does have it all, but you got to see it for yourself. Pop by 750 Pembina Highway for the Royal Sports Experience. And make sure to follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Um, Listen, I'm probably more a Royal Sports guy when it comes to uh, fan gear, but there is moments where... Even I got to get suited up. And when you do that, you're thinking F apparel. Custom suits for men beginning at just $400 with the best selection of men's accessories around. Not to mention custom shirts, both tucked and untucked. Pants, chinos, golf pants, and more. Whatever you need. F apparel is there for you. Pop down and see them at 190 Smith Street downtown. Or go online and make an appointment at app, that's ephapparel.com. And fellas, if you're in a wedding party, 15% off for the entire wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. Ones that you can wear long beyond the big day. And if you've got a 2023 grad in the family, make sure you get him suited up at F Apparel. And with a custom suit for a new 2023 graduate... That graduate will also get a free custom shirt and tie, a savings of about 150 bucks. F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown, and online at ephapparel.com. And just before we bring in Brandon Rowicki, Jets are back tonight. Early start, 6 p.m. as they get going on this road trip. No better place to get together with the gang than watch the watch the game on the big screen with big sound than Boston Pizza. Your local BP is there for you with amazing great deals. The happy hour from 3 till 6 and 9 until 12. And, of course, the best selection of beers on tap. Great specials on schooners, gourmet pizzas, and more. Make sure to get down to Boston Pizza when you're looking for a great spot to watch the game. And uh, most BPs will also have that great pick-a-player option as well. And if you are staying home tonight, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Rewicki in here. Big game tonight, big road trip coming up for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Brandon, how are you? I'm all right. Yeah, how was uh, how was your weekend? It was all right. What did you do Sunday? <laughs> oh, man, it was just so... <laughs> it's so rough. They were so close. I just <laughs> It's been like 4 days and that flag is still like seared permanently in my memory. Congrats, I guess, whatever. Who it, cares? it was uh, a hell of a game. Hell of a game. And I got to tell you, um we will look back at this game as I mean as well played a game from a quarterback position. Um as maybe any that I can remember. I mean, you could even make an argument that Jalen Hurts was the MVP in a losing yeah. cause. Although, 
I mean, the fumble that he put on the carpet that got returned for a touchdown was just an absolute killer because, man, it seemed like the Eagles had a lot of momentum early in that first half. And, I mean, they were bullying the Chiefs in short yardage. I, I mean, I can't remember the amount of times I had flashbacks of the Bombers with Strevler uh, behind them just moving the chains over and over again. Um, but it seemed like that play was big. Um, and the one thing I'll say about the Chiefs, like I, if you had looked at my face watching the game in Vegas after the first drive where Philly got the ball and went down, you know, there was a few nice hits early from the Chiefs in the first couple, like first couple first downs. But once they got into Kansas City territory, they seemingly had their way with Kansas City going in. And I was... I like listen. I was fearing for the worst, like maybe like a blowout in that game. The way Mahomes got back on offense and brought it back, you know, kind of gave me that moment to maybe take a breath. But I will say this: this was offensively a very well played game on both sides. The one question that I think everyone's asking: what happened to this Philly defense? I mean, yesterday the Chiefs' O line was at the parade and they were wearing their shirt zero yeah. sacks. Um, I, I don't know if I've ever been more surprised by one aspect of a football game than Mahomes pretty much being untouched for most of the game and having all the time he needed to hit his receivers. And, of course, they established the run game as well. Yeah, yeah. I I know you can't give MVP to a position, but to me, the the O-line, the O-line and Andy Reid were the MVPs of that game. Like, you know, not not taking anything away from, from Mahomes, but you're talking about a defense that had 70 sacks, like almost set the NFL record. And they were being mentioned with the 85 bears. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I don't, I don't, the only time Mahomes had grass on his Jersey was after a 30 yard run down the middle of the field. Like it was, it was crazy. The amount of time that he had. And like you said, the the run game was, you know, maybe the numbers weren't eye popping, but they were still, you know, moving the ball and, and creating third and shorts. And I mean, come on, Mahomes with a third and short, it's, pretty much game over if you get into that situation time and time again. Um, I'll tell you what, I think myself and uh, 100% of Philadelphians were very happy to see Jonathan Gannon make his way out to Arizona because when that defense faces a good quarterback, that happens. When they face a mediocre quarterback, the regular season happens. So, you know, may, maybe there was a bit of a case that they were a paper tiger defense, but I ultimately... Was- I was just going to say, I was blown away that he got hired by Arizona in the aftermath of that game. I mean, I don't know. I can't, I can't remember a defensive coordinator looking, you know, more out to lunch when the Chiefs scored two four-quarter touchdowns. I mean, you don't see guys that wide open in high no. school football, Brandon, no. and it happened twice. Um, That was a big, big part of the story. By the way, huge shout-out to Stan Scott. Stan, thanks so much for the super chat. Great stuff. We really do appreciate the support. But uh, back to Gannon. I mean, it was the performance of the defense, but it wasn't just the players. It was the coaching staff as well. Oh, I I thought it was way more coaching. Like, it was just an epic mismatch. Andy Reid versus Jonathan Gannon. Like, I I, I just – and those two touchdowns, you're right. It it illustrated it perfectly. Like, the first – okay, whatever. The first one happens, you know, what miscommunication – like sometimes, guy, there's a breakdown. Yeah. Like you can kind of understand. They went right back to the well, and they pulled his pants down on live TV and said, "Thank you very much for the rings." Away we go here. The only incompletion Kansas City had was a throwaway in the second half. It's like, like there was literally no resistance. Um, you know, honestly, it's pretty wild that the game was as close as it was 
late in the fourth quarter just because Philly couldn't even breathe on on a Kansas City offensive skilled player, right? So, you know, it ultimately it, it came down to kind of what we touched about, right? Who has the ball last? Well, Kansas City did. They won. Like that that's how that game was going to go. I still I just I I I could have lived with the loss if at least the Eagles get the ball with like a minute 30 left and so you go down the field and they don't get it. like at, at least you could live with that but it's the like they had a chance to at least do something and do something like just just to try to you know pull off a, a, an all-time comeback there and they didn't get that opportunity but you know having said that too if the game went to OT you're you're relying on a coin flip to try to win that one so yeah it, it was a legendary game i it, it kind of played how i thought it would just hoped hoped philly would have got the ball with with two minutes left as opposed to getting the ball with six minutes left yeah no doubt hell of a game i figured i'd have to talk about that by the way t kona Polly, i see you in chat um we're not going to need to put out the uh the ryan Friesen apb for you are we let's remember our wager going into the game I'm uh, just joking, but you can hit me up on that. Uh, that that's the Ryan, the, the Ryan Friesen, um, the Ryan Friesen bet. Although Freezer was good, I gave him a little bit of time. He came through, and of course, I know T. Paul, T. T. Quinnipaule is good for it. But a hell of a game. Um, but let's get to some hockey now. We got a long time to wait for next season in the National Football League, and we got CFL coming up. And uh, man, it's been an exciting time for the Bombers with Kenny Lawler coming back. Uh, but let's talk Jets a little bit. Um, you know, we, what was it, two weeks ago, I guess we spoke, coming off of the Morrissey game when he sort of put that team on his back and I don't want to say single-handedly, but really raised everybody up in that game against St. Louis and got a bit of a good feeling going back in before they went on a break for the better part of 10 days. Coming back, you had a terrible Chicago team coming in for that bizarre 9 p.m. start. They got the job done. And I got to say, I really like the way they played against the Seattle Kraken. And I haven't seen a lot of the Kraken. I was still, I'm always looking at the standings going, how the heck is this team where they are? Um, and I still thought that at times on Tuesday because of the way the Jets were handling them. But then you're in the third period and you're down by a goal. What did you think about the way the Winnipeg Jets played? Uh, it's hard to measure anything against a team like Chicago. This is a team yeah. that's going to be in the playoffs most likely. Um, where were you at on uh, what the Jets were able to do? And uh, obviously, most importantly, getting the two points in a shootout before hitting out on the road to Columbus tonight. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought it was okay. I thought it was so-so. I mean, there was. I, I guess that game it was like sixty percent good, forty percent bad. Like there was just a lot of. You know, the first period, the Jets came out strong, and I, I like the way they started the game. Seattle then kind of took over a little bit in the second. Um, the I mean, first the, period the, to me was all about the PK. Adam yeah, Lowry again. with the kick saves. And, uh, I mean, like they started off. I, I I came right from the airport pretty much, and I got in a few minutes late, and it was 8-1 to one in shots for Winnipeg. But for the better part of that second half of the first period, the Jets were – we're killing penalties. And listen, the penalty killers did a great job. It's a big reason why they're third overall in the league. And big save. Dave made a few big ones as well during the PK. And I think gave them the opportunity to get that lead and move forward. Yeah. And and big save after like a rough couple of games to start the year has been lights out. Yeah. The the Jets have been really fortunate to have really good backup, like three different backup goalies have played really well for them over the last four or five seasons. Wade Flaherty deserves a lot of credit. 
Uh, Wade Flaherty, to, I mean, yep. because it's not only you need to have the guys that can do it, but also I think the way they're managed, the way they're challenged in practice, the way they're utilized. And I think we saw it because that wasn't supposed to be a big save Dave start. That was going to be Hellebuck, and it's very interesting. And this will sort of take us into our conversation for tonight. But big save Dave's going back again. I, I think maybe this is only the second time all year long that he's had back-to-back starts. But I can tell you that at the start of the year, there would have been panic in the WST yeah. chat based on that. Certainly not the case anymore. And I think he's really earned the confidence of the fans, but most importantly, his teammates and the coaching staff while uh, all the way this season. Yeah, and, and what's interesting too is that the last three goalies, Comrie, Bressois, and, and now Riddich, were struggling coming into their first full-time season as, as the Jets' backup goalie. And they come in here and they play really damn good. But in the case of Comrie Brassois, they leave the organization and then there's struggle afterwards. So that kind of strengthens your point there that, yeah, you know what? This Wade Flaherty guy knows what he's doing. I know my little brother went to some of his goalie camps back in the day. Um, you know, couldn't couldn't maybe a kickstart that pro career. But other than <laughs> that, he's got a pretty good track record. Uh, but but Redditch was great. The PK has been great all year, kind of, you know, underrated. I think one of the, the talking points of the team is how good the PK has been. So yeah, like there was a lot of good, uh, but but there was a decent amount of of iffiness as well. I mean, anybody that's played with Neil Pionk this year has seen their on ice results take a bit of a dip. I thought the Shifley line didn't play all that good in the game. And then what what really bothered me the most actually was, you know, once again we we see the PLD discipline issue rear its ugly head late in the second period there. And I I, I wrote down in my uh, yeah, I keep notes during the games wrote down you know. I'm down with him seeing the bench for the rest of the game because this is just getting ridiculous. And then, of course, he goes out there and scores the tying goal and the winning goal in the shootout. So what do I know? But, um, you know, all, all in all, to get two points against a tough opponent, that's good. Um, it, it certainly wasn't the cleanest, smoothest victory for the Jets here. But, you know, with the next couple of games here, it doesn't matter all that much. But the schedule does start to t- stiffen up a little bit uh, before the trade deadline gets here. Well, it, exactly. The month of March is a... Uh... It's a really interesting month. Before we get there, though, they've got this four-game road trip and then three games at home. Um, we start off tonight against Columbus, then back-to-back Jersey and Rangers, two very, very good hockey teams, and an Islander team that is desperate and has been playing quite well with Borhovat, Bo Horvat coming out of the uh, out of the break, and then home games against Colorado, New York, and the Kings. Once we get to March, Brandon back-to-back against the Oilers, and then a period of games with Minnesota at home and then road games in Florida, Tampa, Carolina, and then home to the Boston Bruins. Be a hell of a way to test your squad post-trade deadline with any additions. Um, But I think it does mean, I think this road trip is really important because if the Winnipeg Jets can continue playing at the clip that they are, and have some better results against the Eastern Conference that haven't really been there earlier this year, you then get to the deadline into March in a spot that I don't think anyone expected them to be, and not just comfortably in a playoff spot, but right there with the Dallas Stars for first place in the Central and the entire Western Conference. Yeah, yeah, like now it's... Fortunately, it's not a battle of, you know, playoffs, playoff position. We're talking about home ice advantage through the rest of the playoffs here. So yeah, like these... These games are are utterly massive right now. And it is a good measuring stick too, especially the back-to-back there, because let's face it, 
if, if Jersey or the Rangers were in the West, they'd probably be one, two in the conference. Right. So this might, this might be as, as tough of a matchup the Jets are going to have in, in quite some time here. And it just, it, it really does set everything up. I mean, no matter which way it goes, I guess, how, how aggressive Chevy wants to be at the upcoming deadline. Right. Because if your team's in first place and you're maybe three, four points up on Dallas at that point, I mean, that's a tough sell in the locker room if you're not giving up a couple of draft picks and maybe a couple of prospects to give this team a bit of a boost. Or, you know, you don't want to hear it, but if things go south a little bit, do you want to invest in a team that maybe doesn't look as, as strong as they did earlier on in the season? So, yeah, there, there's there's a lot to play for, man. And, and even, you know, individually on the team right now. like A guy like Cole Perfetti, for example, you know, you're hearing whispers about, you know, we need this impact forward up front, another piece here and there. You know, he doesn't want to be a fourth line player come playoff time. He wants he wants to get 13, 14, 15 minutes a night on a, on the second line. So there, like, there's there's a lot of intrigue, both micro and macro, with the Jets over the next, I well, guess, fourteen days. You know what? You brought this up, and I was talking about this yesterday with Murat. I do have I I do wonder whether Cole Perfetti is a top six player for the Winnipeg Jets when the puck drops on the playoffs, and I think you can sort of read the tea leaves in a couple yeah. things. Number one. The way he and Nikolai Ehlers to an extent, but I mean, you know, Ehlers is going to be there. Are let's just say have a little bit of extra time on the bench in late games, especially when they're leading. And hey, listen, these coaches have pushed the right buttons all year long. Individuals might not particularly like it, but if you think you're giving a, your team a better chance to win and they're doing it, you go that way. But if that is the case, I think it does in some ways maybe give us a little bit of a tip as to where the Winnipeg Jets would like to add to that group. And if that is the case, you do wonder what that means for a young man that has a ton of hockey ahead of him. But again, you know, we always talk about the, the this isn't really as much a developmental league. He's played yeah. well and he's been in that situation um, you know, for most of this season but there's no guarantees on the way things look at playoff time. And I think this next two weeks for Cole in particular is a huge chance to maybe show the coaching staff that, you know, you don't have to worry about me at any point in the hockey game. And um, I'll be able to go out there and get it done, whether you add guys or not. Yeah. Well, and especially too, because I think the real question is going to be if, if the, if the team doesn't think he's a top six guy, once game one starts and they make an ad or two, does does he really fit on Adam Lowry's line? Like if that's going to be no. your your hard matchup checking line, I, I don't think a lot of people would agree that that's going to be a good spot for. So it's it's pretty wild that it's either top six or or fourth line played eight minutes a night. Like the, <laughs> a pretty big swing in terms of of responsibility there. But that's kind of how this situation I think is going to ultimately play itself out. Um, I, I'm not going to be shocked whatsoever if we see fourth line Cole Perfetti once the trade deadline comes and goes here because like you said just just look at past history with this team and with this coach and it's quite obvious right or wrong doesn't trust Cole Perfetti with under five minutes to go in a tight game always leans towards the the bigger veteran style you know like 95 percent of coaches in the NHL well you know if I could put a big old guy in there I'll put a big old guy instead of a skill youngster in there to try to to close things out so I, I I do wonder. I almost wonder if there's anything he can do at this point. You know what I mean? Like outside of going supernova and you know really talking about like a ten game point streak with fifteen points. I, I wonder if it's almost set in stone for the kid, and it's not you know totally fair. But 
you know, you kind of wonder if the writing's on the wall that he's going to be on the outside looking in and, and really more of an an injury replacement inside that top six as opposed to the stone-cold lock he's been all season long. Do you think he's untouchable at the deadline? I think so. It would have to be a pretty remarkable piece. I like even yeah, like I don't I don't know if I do that for Timo Meyer. I guess it would depend a little bit if it was like how many draft picks would be going back the other way. Oh but, yeah, I mean yeah. he's not just a prospect. I mean, he's a legit player that's had success yeah. in the top 6. Um and listen, I'm not by no means am I suggesting that, you know, hearing oh maybe Perfetti would be on, but if you're taking this massive swing and you know that this player is probably going to be the odd man out when you make that move and he doesn't really fit very well, certainly on the third line and probably on the fourth line, does that all of a sudden make, because I mean, I'll tell you what, if you're including Perfetti in any sort of a package, I think the other pieces that you have to give up are significantly diminished because you're talking about a first round pick that has a very bright future. Um, and listen, I wouldn't want to do that, but I just, it's not anything that I've heard, but I have to imagine that, you know, every possibility is being shopped out. And if people really want to go for those top guys on that board, like a Timo Meyer, I'm not sure that there's a player like Cole Perfetti in these other markets that could possibly be included in that. And the bottom line is if you got a player like that into your lineup, I'm not sure how much he's playing or how much he fits in if we're just talking about the present. Yeah, I, I just, I think there's going for that. I think there's complete recklessness. And I think Perfetti is bordering on the recklessness side of things because, I mean, there, there's not, it's it's completely reasonable that next season he becomes a 70-point guy, right? Like, like he's, I mean, he's, th- what, like Remo's got the, the graphic up there, 29 and 50 games. Like, he's easily going to be a 45, 50-point guy this season alone. Like, imagine what he is next year, two to three years from now. I, I just think there's too much future value in terms of, of team building to move out a guy like Perfetti. Um, but, yeah, unless, unless there's a, a forward or a D-man that we haven't heard uh, being thrown out there just yet where the value is just too much, uh, I'll, I, I would be much more inclined to move to of Lucius McGroarty-Lambert for example, and, and make it a picks prospects package as opposed to somebody that's, you know, pretty, pretty close to a top six NHL well, forward right now. Well, exactly. And, and listen, I mean, these are fun conversations to have, and we can always speculate and throw around possibilities. But I think even if, like the Jets are making these moves or whatever moves we expect them to make with the goal of playing four rounds in the playoffs. And even if Cole Perfetti was not slotted into that top six when they dropped the puck in round one. Guys get hurt. Guys exactly. get injured. Yeah. I mean, there's no chance that he doesn't spend some time and doesn't have some key opportunities at playoffs. So I, I, I'm on the same page with you. I don't think that his name would come out there, but I guarantee you there's some teams asking. I mean, you know, if you, you know, if you're Mike Greer and you're looking ahead and reading the tea leaves about, you know, where your team is going to be in a season or two, knowing that you've got a chip that there's so many teams that are interested in, that certainly would be a guy that I'd be asking about. That being said, I think that he's going to be part of this club. Um, yeah, I'll tell you what, Car- Carlson Carlson for Meyer, for Perfetti, and then we can talk. How does that sound, Mike? <laughs> Carlson Meyer. <laughs> what, th- there are some wild rumors going around over there, Carlson. What do you think that the risk-reward is? Uh, he's got an $11.5 million cap hit, and I know I've heard that the 
Sharks would be willing to retain 18% of it. There's a lot of teams that if they were going to get him would need them to eat like 40% of it, which when you think about it for the remainder of that term is probably 15, 16 million dollars. Um, Edmonton keeps getting brought up and the Edmonton situation is so fascinating because it doesn't really solve any of the problems that they already have on their club, but it just takes what they do well and make it even more dangerous. And that might be enough to win against most teams in the West. Yeah, it would be <laughs> right. Like there, there's always so much emphasis on defending, but I mean, if you're putting up, if you're putting up 1980s numbers. I don't, I don't know if it matters all that much. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm blown away that Edmonton has been seemingly so hesitant to make any kind of a splat. Like, look, look what Pittsburgh did for for a decade, right? They, like, I don't even know who their last first round pick is. No, nobody does. It's unknown because they don't. They they don't need to make them because they've got three banners hanging up, right? Like it's 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 just mind boggling. You have, I mean, never mind two of the five best forwards on the planet, but you have like the guy in in all of pro sports right now, and you're not you're not moving heaven and earth to give him basically whatever help he needs to get over the top here it's 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 crazy to me so i i get the contract is crazy injury all that stuff i i i could give a rat's ass about that if i'm ken holland i'm i'm getting i'm finding a way to get that done and and we've seen it's not like eric carlson is a guy that you know withers away come playoff time he's we're talking about a guy that's been one of the greatest playoff performers from the back end and maybe even in in NHL history, single-handedly carrying a team, you know, one game away from a Stanley Cup final. So I, yeah, defense, defending, PK, like who, who cares? Who cares if you have Eric Carlson playing at the level that he is right now, joining McDavid and company? I, whether it's Carlson, Chikrin, whoever it is, it's just it's crazy to me that they're 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 more invested in keeping their draft capital than they are at taking. A swing or two at well, the Stanley Well, yeah, I, I mean, listen, I mean, I guess it's easy for us to say that now. I don't think that's going to be the case in two weeks. And and here's the other thing. Edmonton is so screwed cap-wise right now, like a number of teams are. Like, even if they had a deal done in place right now, I'm not sure that they can make it happen until the last possible minute because of where they are with their cap, which at the same time is an opportunity for the Winnipeg Jets. Now again, I'm not suggesting I'm not suggesting that they're in on Eric Carlson. Maybe they are. And Carlson, I would imagine, is a full no move too, right? I would so imagine, yeah. I'm not sure that he's signing up for four years in Winnipeg. I mean, just gonna throw that out before everyone assumes that Chevaldeov's got this on the table and he can't make it happen. I mean, that's a huge part of any deal that the Winnipeg Jets make. But because of the Jets cap situation, because of some teams, I mean, Dave Poulin speculated that a Chikrin deal is already done, but they're waiting until they can make it happen for cap reasons, and that might take a week or two, and part of the reason why he's not playing right now. I'm not sure that it might not just be Armstrong sitting him out for a couple and trying maybe getting more interest from teams that maybe have a little bit slower to come up and step up to the plate with what he has to say. But we saw the Rangers make their move with Tarasenko, and 
while I know we're all focused on the 3rd of March, the one thing that Kevin Cheveldayoff does have that a lot of other teams doesn't is the ability to make a move and make a move now. Um, but again, if I'm a GM trading that player, I'm not sure I'm willing to do that right away because I know as we get closer to the deadline, that level of urgency probably increases for teams that might have more of an ability to actually make that deal on the 3rd of March as opposed to the middle of February. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how good of a GM I would be because I just want things now. So I'm, I'm like, just like, come on, what are we waiting typical for? Typical millennial. Yeah, typical millennial, right? I got no attention span, anything like that. Um, I, I, I'm still, I'm still really. I would love to know the behind the scenes on this because we talked about this. I think before training camp. Is is the Pujarvi to Winnipeg thing not just sc- like screaming at everybody in the face that it's like it's almost too good of a fit for both sides, right? Is I, it? I just I think so. Like, why hasn't this happened already? And I I, th- I mean I don't know. Look, like he Pujarvi, might get waived, which to me is insane. I, I like I, I I get Edmonton's putting themselves in this position, but I. For the life of me, cannot understand. Like, I can only say that there, there hasn't been a taker for Jesse Pugliarvi so far. I mean, I think teams are I, looking. But at like, him. you're telling me you wouldn't give up a fourth or a fifth? Like, a, like the, not not even. I mean, I would do a third round pick in a heartbeat. But like, come on, we're talking about a, a mid to late round pick for a guy that I think could be Valerie Nachushkin light in a few years, right? Nachushkin was radioactive. Leaving Dallas, there he goes to Colorado. Well, Nachushkin went through an entire score. season without scoring a goal. Yeah. Okay. So and there then, was, yeah, and then a, he started the Stanley Cup playoffs and ended up, you know, signing a, a couple yeah, awards. That's perfect. Right? I'm not saying this guy is <laughs> going to be a superstar. I'm just saying Pulyarvi can't hit the the right side of a barn right now. But you bring him over to Winnipeg. He's got some fins, some other Europeans that he knows, and he could turn his game around. I, I, I just, I, I think he'd be a really good fit for for what this team is looking for at, at an insanely cheap cost. I, I mean, I, I, I almost wonder at this point, is there something off the ice that's keeping teams away from him? Because I, I just don't get it. You know, he's not, he's not going to be a 40, 40 guy. I'm not saying he's ever going to be that, but defensively strong. He's a big ass dude plays hard. He just says he's having trouble finishing right now, but there's finishers here in Winnipeg. They don't need him to do that. So, I to, to me, if you're talking about where does he about, play? Is he just is he a fourth liner? No, I I think he could be. I mean, I don't know. I think he could fit in nicely with Dubois and Connor. To be honest, I mean, if Evgeny Sveshnikov can come in there and you know give that line a bit of a boost, I don't know why Pulleyarvi can't be the guy that does the dirty at work at the expense the, of Ehlers. Well, but no, but you have Ehlers with Shifley. Like I I don't know. I, to, to me, I think Pulleyarvi's a good fill-in guy with. Somewhere in the in the top six, or I mean, yeah, he could be a fourth liner too. But I I think he'd be a good helper on the Adam Lowry line because you're not asking them to to bring a ton of offense either. I, I don't know. I'm I'm a I've always been a fan of of his game in terms of bringing somebody over that can help tilt the ice, and he's not going to cost you a ton of of cap space and and draft capital as well. So that's the guy that I'd be going after. Maybe they're thinking they can get him on waivers. I don't know. It's 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 curious to me that the rest of the league hasn't 
tried to take somewhat of a flyer on a guy that was a fourth overall pick a few years ago when there's guys with way less talent than him yeah, Tim, that are Tim getting me, fourth and fifth chances all over the place. I mean, listen, it's not the big contenders that are going to be doing because, first of all, none of them have the cap room to just add $3 million to their cap without giving any anything back. And the reason why the Edmonton Oilers might have to go that route is the fact that they need the cap space and they just simply don't have it. Yeah. Um, which does make Winnipeg interesting. I mean, I... I have to think that if they wanted to get that done, it would have happened a long time ago because it seems like this has just been out there for so long. Hey, just before we run, um, we got Columbus tonight. Uh, The Jets have Columbus tonight. Um, Line A, you know, going through it. I mean, hey, we can't forget what Columbus did to the Jets, though, in early December here in Winnipeg. So better be ready to go. But I'm interested in your thoughts on Jack Roslevic. $4 $4 million salary right now. I mean, he's been bouncing between the third and fourth line. He's not on their power play units anymore. What do you think the future of Jack Rosovic is in Columbus or elsewhere in the NHL? I, I don't I don't know how bright it is. I mean, he had that one insane stretch right after the trade, right, where he was, you know, just, just under a point a game. He was kind of the story of, of the NHL for a little while. But it's it's. I think you have to look at it at this point that that's more the anomaly as opposed to the guy that that he is. And I think I think you're talking about probably a a tweener, a third or fourth line tweener who, you know, at times can maybe step in and give your top six a bit of an offensive punch. But you're not gonna count on a guy like that to to, to give you 30, 35, 40 points over the course of a season, which is too bad because he's got a lot of skill. I didn't, you know, we've seen here in Winnipeg at times like he. He can get you out of your seat, and he can he can make things happen out there. But I don't know if it's just consistency or, or something between the years with him. But I I, I wouldn't be I, I wouldn't be you know trying to trample over people in a Black Friday stampede to to bring him into to my team to to give some help in the in the top nine there. So it's it's a little bit unfortunate. It looked like it was going to be a feel good story with him going back home to uh, to Columbus there, but he uh, he kind of fits in with the rest of their season. Uh, with the Jackets Rage now, which is uh, sadly massively disappointing. Yeah, well, who knows? It might involve Connor Bedard because um, they're coming into tonight with 36 points on the season, dead last in the NHL. And I don't think that was the plan when Yarmo went and uh, gave the big bucks to no. Johnny, <laughs> Johnny Gaudreau in the offseason. Brandon, great stuff. We'll look forward to skates and plates tomorrow heading into the weekend. Sounds good. Have a good one. Right on, man. There's Brandon Rewicki. Make sure you're following Skates and Plates wherever you get your favorite podcasts. All right, we're going to stay with the pucks and talk about a uh, Winnipeg Jet player that's now with the Manitoba Moose and how he looked last night in a big Moose win. Voice of the Moose, Dan Fink, coming up in just a second. Uh, Before we do that, had some great curling talk with Ted Wyman earlier. And, of course, when we're talking curling, we do it for Princess Auto here. Proud sponsors of Team Jennifer Jones and Team Reed Carruthers, who will both be at the Scotties and the Briar, respectively. And, of course, Princess Auto is also the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panit Road, Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com, and a special good luck to the Jones Rink heading into Kamloops for tomorrow's opening round of the Scotties. Our friends at Culligan Water have been the experts in water and water services for Manitobans for over 65 years, a locally owned, family-run business. 
And they have everything you and your family can need when it comes to water, including water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, not to mention citywide delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop down and check out the Culligan folks at 1200 Sargent Avenue. You can give them a call at 694-5180 or check out everything that they've got going on online at drinkculligan.com. And a big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club. Of course, we were just talking bombers with Ted Wyman as well. Won't be too long, folks, before the snow is gone. And we'll be at IG Field enjoying a CC at the Rum Hut or a delicious Canadian Club and ginger ale in a can in the stands. But right now, you can always get the taste of Canada's legendary favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club, at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And check out that CC and ginger next time you're at your beer store with other canned options to go. Canadian Club, proud sponsors of WST and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All right, we got some hockey to talk about. Um, Of course, the Jets are hitting the road, but the Moose are back at home. A couple big games coming up this weekend and started off the homestand with a nice win last night. Let's bring in the voice of the Moose, Daniel Fink, for the latest on the herd. Finker, what's up? How are you? Oh, doing swell after a big win last night and uh, just enjoying a little sunshine here in, uh, in Winnipeg. It might be cold, but it's still sunny. One of the things I love about this city. Yeah, beautiful backdrop. Hey, just let's get back to the start of the week. Um, you know, we spoke last week uh, with Baum, with Nolan Baumgartner and he sort of reminded me about that resumption of the game in Toronto. Um, just a bizarre situation. A game postponed after the first period. Went right back in it. Um, what what was that like, and how different was that than a normal game day? It was kind of nice only having to prep for one intermission, I'll tell you that. But uh, <laughs> other, otherwise, I mean, really, there wasn't a whole ton different. It was get ready for the game. Puck drop was at 7 local time. You have a morning skate. You do your thing. You drop the puck, and then it's done about an hour early. Um, it was an interesting game for sure. I think it, probably the weirder part was, I mean, Eric Schalgren started the game for the Marlies. He didn't even dress. He was on the roster, but didn't dress for the uh, for the Marlies the second time round, which I'm sure the Moose weren't too thrilled about because they had to face off against Joseph Wall, who has emerged as one of the elite, if not the top goaltender in the American Hockey League this season. So, and he certainly played the part. But uh, the Moose got off to a bit of a slow start, and that was kind of the theme for both sides going in. We can't get off to a slow start. Well, the Moose they finally found their legs. But when they did that, all of a sudden the play came back two minutes and 19 seconds already in a game that we had gone back in time to January 13th as a uh, as a shot that hit the pad of Oscar Salmonen ended up getting called a goal as it had just crossed the line. Good catch by the uh, Toronto side there on that one. Um, but that shifted the momentum for a little bit. The Moose gave up three quick goals, then had to kind of fight their way back in. But final 29 minutes of the game after Alex Limoges got them back within two, they outshot the Marley 17 to five. And that's the North division leaders right there. Uh, absolutely dominated the play, but just couldn't find a way to beat Joseph Wald. missed on a couple of chances, hit a couple of posts. And that's kind of the story of that season series against the Marlies because the Moose really played them very well. Uh, but Wall was there in three of those games to pick up the wins. So it was, uh, it was a pretty entertaining game. It was done quick. And then we were on the plane back home, but uh yeah, it certainly, uh, certainly was a bit of a different look. And yeah, it got me thinking, maybe hockey, two halves, 25 minutes. I don't know. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, you, you take that to the Board of Governors meetings. Let, let, let me know how that works, uh, <laughs> what the response to that is. Um, but Dan, now back, and I mean, it is so tight within the division and the conference right now. Every game and every point so important. Very important for the Boos to get off to a good start in this homestand. And they did last night, beating the Iowa Wild 4-2. to two. And, you know, over the course of the year, we've seen a number of Moose players come up and make impacts with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, but there's also been some guys that have spent the majority of the time with the Jets that have gone back to the Manitoba Moose and have been making impacts. Baumgartner, and I can't remember whether this was off-air or on-air when we were speaking last week, but he was so complimentary of Dominic Toninato and the, what he's done with the club, how much he's bought in, um, what a great leader that he's been. Um, and there's been some other guys too. Jansen Harkins back with the club, two goals last night. And another guy that spent the entire season with the Winnipeg Jets, Axel Janssen Fialbi, getting into his first AHL game of the season with Manitoba, scoring. Um, some familiar faces to Jet fans making an impact right now with the Moose, and a great example of that was last night's win. Yeah, and uh, as I've said before, you always wonder how guys are going to come down, and uh, it's it can it can vary. Sometimes guys need a little bit of room when they come down, but uh, by all counts, actually, Hudson Fialbi came down. He was all smiles at morning skate, was ready to go, and uh, and jumped right in on the line with Cole Meyer and Evan Polite. That's not a lot of fun to play against. And uh, you know what? I didn't actually realize going in that uh, he hadn't played in close to three weeks, he was saying. So uh, he was, I think, happy to just get on the ice and get going. But uh, you could see him feeling out the game a little bit and then kind of in the third period started to see those bursts of speed. Uh, and uh, and used it effectively, but uh, you know what? He fits right in on this team. I mean, the Moose are very happy to have a player like actually Janssen Fjell because like Dominic Tony Dotto, like Jansen Harkins, they slot in, they work hard, and uh, they really fit that Moose brand of hockey. So who knows how long he'll be with the Moose, but uh, I'm sure they're happy to have another forward on the club, especially after they had Mikey Acemont claimed off of waivers. And might have been a little surprising for the Moose based on some of the uh, the damage they've taken off the waiver wire with Johnny Kovacevich and Mikey Acemont both being claimed that they actually got someone through waivers and uh, he was able to, to join on to the group. So it was it was good to see him jump right in and be able to contribute. Well, one guy that's down with the Moose, probably because he is waivers exempt, of course, is Billy Hainala. And I imagine for a player like that, it'll be an interesting couple of weeks seeing what happens. I mean, there's always top players like that in the situation that they're in, mentioned in a myriad of trade rumors in and around. But the bottom line is he's playing some great hockey right now, and he's doing it switching from the left and the right. Um, what have you seen from Billy over the last couple of weeks? I believe, what, six points in his last four games? Yeah, he's been trucking right along, and there's a few moves that have been able to rack up some pretty good point streaks along the way over the last little bit. But uh, he's just been steadily racking up points, and he's done it playing a pretty simple game. I mean, and again, the, I think people sometimes expect Billy Haino to be this guy that is this dynamic player up and down the ice, a Kale McCarr, Miro Haskinen kind of type, but he's going to do his thing quietly. And he does it with good vision. He does it with good awareness. Uh, he's not going to pull you away with his speed. Uh, but he is agile and tight. He does a nice job of pivoting away from guys to get himself some room. And he's going to make that good first pass. He's going to make that good pass in the zone. He's going to see that option that other guys don't. And that's where he's going to find his success. And so uh, I think sometimes it's it's about understanding that he is a bit more of a subtle player than I think people give him credit for. But uh, you know what? Last night he was he was downright ornery, throwing the body around, something that he started to do a little bit more effectively over the last little while. We saw it really come through in the playoffs. I know folks on the show will have heard me reference how he played in the playoffs last season as kind of the benchmark about where he needs to be on a consistent basis. And he's getting around that mark. So uh, it's been it's been good to watch him over the last little bit. I mean, we forget 
at just how young Billy Hainalis still is. Feels like he's been around forever, but he is such a young defenseman. And it, and it takes time, especially for a guy his size, uh, to, to figure out this North American game. It's a little bit different. And to understand how he needs to play on a consistent basis. And uh, he's going to keep working away at that. And uh, we're seeing the results from him. I know everyone will get on me for mentioning plus minus. He leads the moose in that regard. And it's gaudy numbers up, up to plus 20 now. So it's uh, it's pretty impressive there. But uh, the point totals right around that point per game mark. And that's what you love to see for a guy like you know, um, you know, when you look at the standings, I um, mean, you know, often if you just click it on onto the AHL site, you're just getting the full Western Conference. But things will run through the division just before we get to well, what's happening at the rink tomorrow and Sunday. Give us a bit of a rundown as to where the Moose are right now within their division and um, sort of what's at stake in these uh, upcoming games. Sorry, I may have tanked my internet connection there opening the standings just to make sure I get everything right. So I hope I'm still with you. But oh. Remo's got me covered. Perfect. Got you right there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, when you look at this central division, it's ridiculous. <laughs> first, first to fifth, uh, a spread of just eight points. You got two teams tied for first. You got uh, four, uh, three, four, and five, all separated by two points. It is ridiculous. And then if you watch, of course, they're a little further back there, but lurking in the in the rearview mirror, Grand Rapids and Chicago been playing some pretty good hockey lately and you'll notice that Grand Rapids 6-3 and 1 in their past 10 uh Chicago they were 6 and 4 until a shootout loss uh, against the Milwaukee Admirals they came back last night with 2 minutes left to tie that one up no doubt frustrating for all the teams in that upper echelon of the playoffs trying to catch them but this division is always just so tough to get through and you can never count out Grand Rapids and Chicago and uh, currently on the outside looking in but ready to play spoiler and try and fight their way back in much like the Iowa Wild did they were looking on the wrong side of that playoff picture rattled off a 14 game point streak which they've started to come down off of now and we saw the results of that the Moose able to pick up a 4-2 victory so uh, it is so close you win a game all of a sudden you're in third you lose a game all of a sudden you're in fifth and it's uh, it's a lot so Every point is so valuable along the way. We say it ad nauseum. It is cliche at this point, but it's so true. I mean, when you look at how close this division is, I mean, there was that controversial game at the start of the season where the Moose thought they had scored a goal in the final minute against Rockford. It got disallowed. Well, that's a big point right now, especially since Rockford came back and won that game. That's a two-point swing. That changes the standings considerably. So little things like that start to add up through the season. You have an off night. Well, you don't get two points. Uh, and so you have to be on your game every night. The good thing for the Moose is they've been playing some real consistent hockey of late, despite not getting the results at times. Of course, they went on that little three-game losing streak on the first half of their road split going into the All-Star break, played some excellent hockey, only came out with two points with a couple of overtime losses. But uh, when you can play consistently, eventually those results are going to come, and they have been coming over the last little bit. Well, and which takes us to this weekend because a rematch with Iowa tomorrow, and I mean the quintessential four-point game. Um, by the way, folks, we've got some tickets. We're going to spin the wheel of winners for some tickets to Friday's game in a few minutes once we're finished with Fink. But if you go into the chat, if you're with us right now, Remus had a link there, winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest. If you're listening on the podcast, you can go to the website, click on the contest link. We've got a couple pairs of tickets for that game. Oh, it's a pinned tweet. Now, Remus is all over this. Pinned are pinned in the chat right now. Click on that. Enter to win a couple tickets for Sunday's game. Uh, but before we get to Sunday, uh, Pride Night tomorrow and a rematch against the Iowa Wild. Another huge game for Manitoba. 
yeah, Friday night, really excited for this one. It's obviously an important game to have and uh, certainly uh, brings out a different community to the game than sometimes we usually get, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, there'll be some uh, Pride t-shirts. The Moose have this great design that we've used the last couple of seasons. Uh, the players are always rocking them as their, their workout shirts and things like that, but uh, uh, those will be available on the concourse with proceeds going to Rainbow's Resource Centre. Do some great work here in Winnipeg and uh, yeah, really looking forward to Friday night. Uh, of course, you mentioned Sunday as well. That'll be the Grand Rapids Griffins in town. That's Dylan Sandberg bobblehead days. So be sure to get your bobbleheads. The first 3000 fans in the building will get their hands on that. And then it's a busy weekend here. And then on Monday, the uh, the, the long weekend, it'll be that uh, annual family day, Louis Riel day uh, matchup uh, for the Moose, two o'clock puck drop against the Griffins. And that one's superhero day. We're bringing in the Hulk hustler. The Hulk. In, yes, the Hulk will be awesome. Try to keep him from smashing anything. But uh, yeah, the, looking the, Hulk's, the Hulk's usually calling the game up in the press box, but uh, I guess you <laughs> double coming down there, Finker. Um, that'll be cool. And you know what I was going to say? Don't forget the Sunday game's a six o'clock game. So a real quick turnaround going in. We're so used to having these two o'clock matinees, but um, six o'clock for that game on Sunday and then right back at it with a great afternoon matinee. Perfect time to get out and see the moose if you haven't on Louis Riel Day. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely rocking on Monday. It always is such a fun game. We'll probably be over 6,000 at least in the stands for that one. So, uh, you know, the, the Moose brings such a great atmosphere, a little bit different than Jets games with the younger crowd. They don't care what the score is most of the time. They're just going to be screaming their heads off the whole time, dancing in the stands. So it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, the Moose hoping the score is in their favor. They're able to pick up a couple of big wins against the Grand Rapids Griffins last weekend uh, to the tune of a combined score of 9-2. to two. So the Griffins are certainly going to be not feeling too great about that and looking for a little payback on the road. And you were mentioning that rematch against the Wild so tough to win those games back to back or a couple of days apart when the two game series. So uh, it'll be a tough test and uh, we'll see who goes between the pipes. Could see the, uh, the uh, young phenom and Jesper Wallstead for the Iowa wild. It's a possibility. Zay McIntyre, the veteran goalie on the other side of things. Uh, Arvid Holmes been playing real well for the Moose of late, or it could be Oscar Salmon. You're going to get a good matchup in goal, no matter what you do. And uh, last night's game, a lot of fun back and forth, really well played, great pace to it. So looking forward to seeing more of that on the weekend. Well, okay. So tomorrow, Pride night, Friday, Iowa wild, and then Grand Rapids in Sunday, 6 PM. That's the Dylan Sandberg bobblehead game. And then what a great day for hockey fans to have the day off. You can head down to the rink, check out the moose live at 2 PM and get back home just in time to see the jets take on the New York Rangers at six o'clock. Dan, Thanks for doing this. Good luck to the squad. I'll uh, maybe see you out at the rink this weekend, and uh, good luck tomorrow in that big game against Iowa. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Huss. And again, if you're looking for tickets, moosehockey.com slash tickets, and uh, you got a few options to get down to the rink, but if you can't make it, I'll help the call for you on cglb.com slash sports or AHL TV. Thanks, Finker. Have a great one. Talk to you later, Huss. Good stuff. There's Dan Fink, voice of the Manitoba Moose. Hark with a couple last night, and Axel Janssen Fialbi scoring in his first game with the Moose after clearing waivers a little earlier this week. Um, all right. Well, you know, it is a long weekend coming up. I think everyone's down for that. And if you're planning on maybe enjoying a few cold ones, make sure it's Winnipeg's finest local beer, Little Brown Jug. Maybe take advantage of a little extra day to pop down and visit them in person at the brewery and tap room and try 
all their great offerings down on William Avenue. But of course, you can get the iconic 1919 and four new little brown jug offerings in the Good Times Variety Pack available there, Manitoba Liquor Marts, or anywhere that sells great beer. And uh, don't forget, you can always go online, littlebrownjug.ca, check out everything they've got going on, and order online for citywide delivery as well. And hey, a big shout out to the Nick and Nikki DQ group, our great sponsors since day one with those amazing stack burgers, ice cream treats, blizzards, cones, shakes, and more. And of course, the spot to uh, get the best in ice cream cakes and blizzard cakes available. And if you do want to do that, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. We'll get it ready for you, custom made to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. Be sure to pop by. Let them know your friends at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and the DQ over on St. Anne's. All right, good stuff with the fellas. Let's get Remus back in here. And uh, Remo, man, I sort of caught me off guard that Monday afternoon game. It wasn't until earlier today where you even informed me that it was the February long weekend. It's the one that I'm still not used to right now. Uh, but I'll tell you what, that could be a great double dip, seeing the moose in person and then getting back in time for uh, the Jets to continue this road trip against uh, the Rangers at MSG. Yeah, I completely forgot that it was a long weekend. I should know this, uh, but uh, you know, cause it is family day, and I do have a or Louis Riel day, and I do have a family now that I'll be spending time with on the weekend. <laughs> But yeah, busy one with for the Moose. That's a that's a crazy uh, crazy turnaround there. You got the Sunday evening game, which they don't usually play Sunday evening. Usually play in the afternoon. But then they got them into Monday afternoon. So that's the AHL schedule for you. And yes, we do have the uh, pair of tickets to that Sunday game. Our website WinnipegSportsTalk.com/slash/contest, and I'll hand them out uh, Friday evening uh, late. I will send out the email distributing those. But um, exciting time for them getting Axel back. They got some NHL talent on that team, Hus, with uh, Toninato, Harkins, and Axel. That's, that's a good, some good players right there. They are. Oh my God! I'm just looking into chat. T. Konopoli is looking to double down on our yes. Super Bowl wager with a women's curling. Kate, T. Konopoli, you hold on tight. We'll discuss that in a second. Um, but Remo, before I, while I get to the cool bet lines, we want to open up uh, the uh, oh. exclamation mark tickets in the chat. Yeah, let me do Be- it. Because, folks, we do have, so again, the link is pinned. Uh, and, folks, if you're listening on the podcast and you want tickets to the Dylan Sandberg bobblehead night for the Manitoba Moose, go to winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest, and you can enter to that. We'll announce the winners tomorrow on the program, and make sure you have those tickets in time for the weekend. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna give them out after the show, just in case they listen Friday. They can do. Oh, it sure, too, sure. So. Yeah, as they say, like Friday, later on on Friday, you'll have, you'll have a couple days to do that. But <laughs> tickets for Sunday are being done on the website. But we've got tickets for tomorrow's yes. game. So those are what we're gonna do today. We didn't want to leave it too late. So just as soon as you see in the chat a Streamlabs prompt that says "put in exclamation mark tickets," do that. We've got two pairs of seats. For the game tomorrow night, as we mentioned, is the Pride Night and a big game for the Moose as they are neck and neck with the Iowa Wild. That was a huge win last night for the club. They'll look to get the sweep tomorrow down at Canada Life Center. Um, so, yes, keep in mind, keep uh, keep your eye out, and we will spin the wheel. Can we spin the wheel for Springsteen tickets? What? Yeah, do you hear he's Bruce- coming here, Huss? 
I did, is that true? Yeah, yeah, November 10. Yeah, you Come missed on. I talked about it um, the day you were away. But yeah, November 10, it's finally happening. At, at Canada Life Center? Canada Life Center, November 10. Bruce Whoa. Springsteen. Every, every sports writer in North America is going to be here because every one of them loves the boss. Um, I did see Springsteen once at um, in uh, St. Paul, and it actually was absolutely incredible. So highly recommend on that. Okay, the chat's open. Or the, excuse me, the, uh, the raffle is open right now. Exclamation mark tickets. And yes, these are these are tickets for the Moose game tomorrow night, not Springsteen on November 10th. I thought you were joking about that, Issue Boy Bruce. You got to sign up, be a verified fan, Hus, if you want to get those tickets. What do I have to join, like the Springsteen fan club or yeah, something? Yeah, well, you like got to tell Ticketmaster you're a human, so you're not a bot trying to buy them all up before oh, they go on sale. Interesting. Uh, do we have any idea how much these tickets are? I don't. I don't know, but probably a lot. I, I'm guaranteeing right now there's going to be some serious sticker shock for Winnipeggers. Um, this will not be an $85 ticket for uh, for the Springsteen show. That's for sure. Um, but yes, exclamation mark tickets while we do that. Um, okay, T. Kona Pauly, you want to double up our Super Bowl bet on the Scotties, and you want Holman, the Holman and Flurry rink? Okay, well, I'll, uh, if you want to take Holman and uh, Holman and Flurry, I'll take Kerry Einerson. And if anyone else wins, it's a push. How about that? Let me know in the chat. Um, meanwhile, I'm going to get to uh, these cool bet lines. And uh, actually, while we're at it, if you do want to get in on the Scotties right now, uh, those are our top two teams, Canada and Ontario, the two favorites. The Rachel Holman Tracy Flurry rink that we talked about with Ted, and of course the three-time defending Canadian champion Carrie Anderson rink from Manitoba. But you know, three of the top four ranked teams, certainly by the book, are Manitoba teams. Caitlin Laws and Wildcard One coming in at third at six at plus six oh five, and Jen Jones, Mackenzie Zacharias in the squad plus seven seventy. Uh, we've already got matchups up for the first two draws. Canada and Kerry is going to be playing Quebec in the first round. They're a big minus 1,000 favorite. And then first game up on Saturday is going to be Jen Jones against uh, Northern Ontario, which should be a um, should be a great matchup, actually. That's one of the closer odds we've got. Anyways, Cool Bet's got it all for you there. Uh, Scotty's futures make sure you get those in before tomorrow and uh make sure that you are uh, watching the girls do their thing over on tsn as far as hockey goes tonight gang uh the jets and blue jackets kick things off at 6 p.m jets minus 190 favorites on the road the blue jackets plus 160 jets puck line to win by two is minus one and a half and if you like the Jets to win in regulation, you can get better get a better number at minus 118. I was interested to see what the goal props were tonight, though, Reem. Uh, of course, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Patrick Laine both playing against their former teams. The guy at the top of that list, though, Kyle Connor at plus 119. Shifley plus 148. Ehlers plus 154. Dubois plus 167. And then there's Patrick Laine at plus 180. And Johnny Gaudreau at plus 205. 
You will recall that Line 8 did have two goals in his last game against the Winnipeg Jets here in Winnipeg, plus 950 for that to happen tonight. The one interesting number up there that I saw, though, a shot prop for Kyle Connor. Over three and a half shots tonight. Even money for Kyle Connor. I don't think he's gone over that in the last couple games, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's firing some more pucks on net tonight. I think I'm going to jump on that one tonight as well. Line A, well, Line A shoots from the dressing room, so uh, over two and a half shots at minus 182. Probably a pretty safe bet, but a pretty big number. Um, other games tonight, huge game for the Florida Panthers. They have to have this game. They're chasing the Washington Capitals. Teams have games in hand on them. Huge opportunity for them to take advantage of the absence of Alex Ovechkin and get a win. Panthers minus 123. I do like Florida win tonight. Uh, Carolina, huge favorite, minus 442 against the Montreal Canadiens. A two-and-a-half goal puck line at plus 105. Bruins and Preds, Jeremy Swayman going tonight for the Bruins. They're big favorites, as they are pretty much every night right now. Minus 177. And the Detroit Red Wings coming off that shootout win last night. Really fun game to watch against the Oilers if you caught that one on Sportsnet. Uh, Wings playing the back-to-backs. They're plus 210. Calgary a big minus 256 favorite. New Jersey taking on the St. Louis Blues. Blues had that big win against the Panthers earlier this week. But it's the Jersey Devils that are minus 141 favorites. And the uh, Kraken, who we just saw a couple days ago, they're back at home. Minus 178, hosting the Philadelphia Flyers, who are plus 150. And the Vegas Golden Knights, minus 181 favorites at home against the San Jose Sharks. Minus one and a half on the puck line. I don't mind that. Vegas, Remo, uh, have really turned it around lately, even without Mark Stone. They've won by 4, 4, and 5 in their last three games, scoring 17 games over the course of those games. Sounds like their offense is going. And, of course, Logan Thompson out, Aiden Hill, getting the majority of the work right now in net for Vegas. Yeah, Vegas is a team. What are they going to do at the deadline, Huss? And when is Mark Stone going to be available? Because, I mean, it would be a real shame if they made a deadline acquisition, then Stone came back before the playoffs and they had to be over the cap. That would be a really bad situation. So Yeah, a bad situation that probably won't happen. I think if anything, if Mark Stone is available to play, eh, let's just let's just pencil in game one of the playoffs. Tell me if you've heard this one before. Uh yes. I mean, what's a salary cap if you don't have every team trying to find any possible way to get around it? So we'll see what happens. There, but the blueprint has been already uh, written for that one by Tampa Bay and Vegas is a good team. And you know, Bill Foley wants to win. Are they gonna, you know, go out and try to get Timo Meyer or someone, someone else? We'll have to, we'll have to see. There's so many intriguing storylines ahead of March three trade deadline. Hey, and you know what? Um, uh, again, if you want to close up the contest uh, uh, for exclamation oh, right. mark tickets, contest, we can do yeah. that. But um. I do, by the way, all the odds up over at our friends at CoolBet. And check out CoolBet Canada on Twitter and Instagram. Daily picks for myself and Dusty on the lock shop. We we made some people very happy yesterday. 4-0. and oh, And there was a number of people that parlayed those four picks. And it came in at over 12-1. to one, So uh, that was nice. But do have some real sad news. Um, and, of course, it is Black History Month. And uh, around, and of course, being honored in the National Hockey League. And uh, Paul Girard, a uh, Winnipeg native, unfortunately passed away at the age of 57. Had a chance to meet Paul on a couple of occasions back at the old station. 
was just a, a real, real gentleman. Um, gone far too soon at 57. One of the few black players from Manitoba, uh, along with Ray Newfeld, to crack the National Hockey League. He did only play five games in the NHL, but had a really distinguished IHL career, played in the American Hockey League as well, and had spent the better part of the last 30 years uh, coaching at his alma mater, Lake Superior State, where he starred between 83 and 87 with the Colorado Avalanche in 0203 as an AHL assistant with Hershey, Iowa, and Texas, as well as an assistant coach with the Dallas Stars and Calgary Flames in the NHL, and then the last five years at the University of Nebraska-Omaha. Um, this was uh, you know, a trailblazer in many ways, and um, just really, really sad news, especially as the league celebrates Black History Month. Um, of course, Wade Ray Newfeld's been on the program before and been a huge part of this hockey community. Uh, but Rima, I don't know whether you had a chance to meet Paul when he'd come by the station at all over the course of uh, our years over on Pembina Highway. But um, what a great, great man. I was totally caught off guard by his passing today. I didn't realize that he was sick or battling cancer, but a real loss for our hockey community here in Manitoba and a number of places where he made a really big impact over the last 30 plus years. Yeah. I remember he came in this studio with us, um, with Mike Snee, uh, for college hockey yep. Inc to talk about college. Cause he had been uh, coaching at Omaha and, um, you know, he's from obviously from Winnipeg, uh, you know, great career is across many different leagues. And I, I'll be honest, before he came in, I really didn't know uh, much about him, but, um, some, Nice uh, pieces written about him today, and I I was pretty shocked it was because yeah I mean that's that's too young, hustler um to be to be passing away. So, it uh, is. I, and, you know, I was sad to hear that. Yeah, it, uh, really sad. So I mean, just sending our condolences to uh, uh, Paul Gerard's family and friends, and um you know uh, just as I said, really sad because as I said I was so impressed when I got to meet him the first time when he came in with Mike and uh, met him again at the rink on another occasion and um. Uh, you know, I'd really carved out an incredible life in the hockey world. I mean, a number of stops coaching in the National Hockey League and got a chance to play five games in the bigs, a long, illustrious minor league career, uh, but definitely gone too soon, Paul Girard. All right, Remo, let's uh, let's spin the wheel and see who's going to uh, see the moose tomorrow night. Yeah, it's been here. Here's all the names. We got the wheel. All right. Good luck, everyone. So we've got two pairs of tickets. We'll uh, we'll spin it twice. And uh, what you're going to need to do if you are a winner is send us an email to winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. Just confirming the email that you want the tickets sent to. And uh, Rumo will send those out after the show. Uh, all right. Good luck to everyone. A little Friday night hockey down at Canada Life Center for the Moose and Iowa Wild. Let's spin the wheel, Remo, and see who wins the first pair. It is spinning, and it is coming up. Marshall Caron. What up, Marsh? Right on. Okay, so, Marshall, you send us an email, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com, and we'll make sure we get those sent out to you. Uh, Remo, let's uh, let's spin it one more time for our second pair of tickets. Here, Next one, I'll remove him. Yeah. And then we do have another, if you don't win, we do have another pair for Sunday's game up for grabs on our website, uh, winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest. 
Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, if you want tickets for Sunday, go to the website, winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest and enter to win. We'll give you till the end of tomorrow's show uh, to get those in, and Remo will send those tickets out probably later on on Friday or early on Saturday morning. The game on Sunday, again, that's the Sandberg bobblehead night, 6 p.m. start, not the usual Tuesday, not the usual 2 p.m., but the 2 p.m. game is on Monday for Louis Real Day. All right, who's the second winner? We spin. We spin again. And it is. Is it Dan Jets fan? Is it In Bones We Trust? It's In Bones We Trust. All right, In Bones We Trust. Fire away. Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. And uh, Remo will send those tickets to you guys after the show. Marshall, In Bones We Trust. Very well done. And again, go to the website, the contest link for your chance to win tickets to the game on Sunday where you'll be uh, coming out. I got the I got the uh, Mikhail Burden bobblehead here. But it's Dylan Sandberg's turn. Had a nice neat little uh, ad for it at the game uh, the Jet game over on uh, on Tuesday. Um well good stuff Remo. What do you think tonight about this game? How are you how are you feeling heading into game 1 of this roadie? I feel like the Jets are going to smash us. Uh they want to get revenge for that first time these two teams played and they lost and really didn't show up. They want to start off this road trip right. Um, I think they're feeling good. Um, and I think it's payback. Huss. And they're usually, you know, Dave Riddich, it's pretty much guaranteed win when he's in that <laughs> Huss. I mean, you look at his record. Goalie controversy? Nine, nine and four. Yeah, I think, do, <laughs> do, yeah, you're right. Do we, Is there a goalie controversy in Winnipeg? <laughs> what is he, nine, four, and oh? And let's throw out that first game. He was just getting used to it. It's nine and three. I mean, he's got he's got better numbers than Hellbuck has in terms of uh, goals against. If you throw out that first game, better by point zero one. But still, <laughs> I mean, you can't argue with the results. I think we got our next topic. We should go for for an hour. Yeah, it goes for an hour. Goaltending controversy in Winnipeg. Yeah, I am not sure. But hey, is there? You know what? Maybe he'll throw up a goose egg or something tonight. We'll be like. Do you do you have to go back to Big Save Dave? Yeah, in two days. <laughs> how, how do you take him out? Hey, he's I am he's won four I am, in a row. <laughs> I'm here for it. Um, it will be interesting to see though how the Jets play. I think it, an important game. You really you got to have two points against the worst team in the league. You can't go zero and two against Columbus this season. And let's face it, they've got this game tonight. Then they're going to have Friday and Saturday off. In New York City, well, I imagine they'll be practice oh, at some point. Big dub. So, so earn a earn a fun day off, fellas, tonight with a big win they, against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like this Columbus roster, like they're sitting Gavrikov, um, Wierenski's out, Nyquist, he's out. They're like still gonna trade him, and he's gonna they're gonna he's getting uh, Mark Stoned too on a team where he'll come back for. Game one, although that's kind of weird to get traded for a team and have your first game in the playoffs. I would be, you know, that's kind of weird. But um, yeah, I think the Jets are. I think they're gonna they're gonna smoke. I mean, you mentioned you can't lose to Columbus twice. I do want to point out the Maple Leafs have lost to Arizona twice twice this year, right? Yeah. Huss? Well, they didn't lose last night to the Blackhawks, who barely showed up for that game. That was uh, not sure if you've seen the highlights of uh, Pat Kane, not seemingly too. Not too into it right now with the uh, with the Blackhawks. Um, 
what a miserable situation they've got going on right now. But as we say, you look at the standings, and they're the Chicago Blackhawks at 37 points. The only team they're ahead of, the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight. And, um, I, you know, I feel for Line A. I feel for Goudreau, but Line A in particular. Goudreau, you feel for Goudreau? He chose to, to go there. I, I, as I say, it's very different. I mean, he I have chose. no idea why he did. I think he just really played his hand poorly. He thought Philly was going to sign him to a big deal, and then they're like, yeah, sorry, we don't have the money. We're not in. And then he ended up having to take way less. Like, if he could go back and do it all over again, you'd have to think that he probably just stays in Calgary, takes oh. $10.5 million a year for eight years. Or maybe he likes playing on a garbage team in anonymity. Maybe that's maybe that's what he was looking for, I guess. I think he wanted out of Calgary. I think him and his family decided it wasn't a good situation for him there, and he wanted to be closer Closer to home, so had to go out east. He's about halfway there. He's nowhere close to home right now, being Columbus, and uh, nowhere close to the playoffs either because uh, <laughs> the only thing they're close to right now is an 18.5% chance of getting Connor Bedard in June. Yeah, and well, here, one team, you know, we talked about them earlier, um, like Vancouver Canucks, like they, I think they did the Horvat trade early, Hus, not you know to get ahead of the deadline and like, you know, it's hard to work on. You hear the insiders. So hard to work on four different deals at once if you're Vancouver. You know, they're trying to trade Shen and Besser, blah, blah, blah. They're trying to do the tank early. I mean, they're playing. They're bringing in, like, their fourth string goalie up from the AHL. I mean, great job at tanking if you're Vancouver. And they've really, they've lost three in a row now, really increasing their odds for that number one pick as we bring up the lottery simulator. I got to get a mouse pad here, but. Where is it? Here it is, Hus. This is the lottery simulator. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Let's see if Columbus gets it. You can sim it once today. Who was it here? Oh, I was talking. Okay, you were away. I was talking with Jay Zawoski from CG, or CHGO YouTube, and he was saying that they they try to get you know set a goal for likes, and then they do the lottery simulator. So, yeah, 10 more likes in the next five <laughs> minutes, and we'll do... So if you want us to do the lottery simulator, yeah, hit the thumbs up. But uh, here it is. Columbus just got it. So And they're playing the Jets tonight. That's 25, it. Okay, they, so that's their win tonight. You guys, can, they, they can win the draft lottery, and the Jets can hopefully win this game tonight. Um, hey, just one other Jet note. We were talking about the Moose and Hark doing his thing, getting two goals last night, Axel Janssen-Fialbi. Uh, you know, it started off so great in the Western Hockey League for Chaz Lucius. Then he had the shoulder injury. He's out for the year. Brad Lambert, after finally getting into the lineup after whatever they had to figure out um, uh, visa-wise, is absolutely tearing it up right now with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Had a big winner on uh, Valentine's Day for his club right now. and It does seem like exactly what the Jets had hoped was going to happen, Remo, with Lambert going to playing the uh, in the Western Hockey League, junior hockey, maybe getting some real confidence and getting put up some big numbers is exactly what's happening right now in Seattle. Yeah, I got his player card here on WHL. He's played nine games, seven goals, seven assists, 14 points. So Brad Lambert, and I see people talking about him in chat. We saw the speed that he has, and you know, nice to see him healthy, playing games, scoring points. That's a 1.56 uh, points per game average hustler. So we'll keep an eye on Seattle Thunderbirds of the WHL when the playoffs come. And I don't know, maybe, the, maybe they will have a matchup 
with the ice in the final. We'll have to wait and see. Listen, those are the top two teams right now in each conference, so uh, it wouldn't at all surprise me if it is an ice T-Birds final, um, of course, in the uh, in the Western Hockey League with the winner taken on the uh, the Mem Cup. And um, we've got a team, what is it, Kelowna, I believe, is hosting the, uh, the Mem Cup this year. Yeah, you think so they're they going to do the uh, get out of the first round and... And just rest up till the final? Does that move probably, work? Probably not, but I think there's a good chance that they don't make the final of the Western Hockey League. I think Seattle would be the favorite right now. And again, you know, maybe probably we'll have two Western Hockey League teams at the event uh, a little bit later on. And just one more thing before we go, Remo, I saw you noticed, um, uh, you know, we mentioned uh, the passing of Winnipeg native, longtime hockey player and coach Paul Girard, um, uh, Tim McCarver. I just saw that during the show that Tim McCarver um, passed away and he was a guy, I mean, he was on your TV for every big baseball game, him and Joe Buck for so long doing uh what he played 21 years in majors. I mean, that's a big one. All-star catcher, uh, 81 has Tim McCarver uh, on today. That's he, he I mean, was a one... giant. I mean, an incredible player with a long, long career as a player, but I mean, for, I mean, my generation and yours, um, this is a guy that was synonymous with the biggest games in baseball yes. on the biggest stage. I mean, he was a mainstay on that in that booth, the number one booth for so long. And um, obviously, we, uh, you know, if you just go to YouTube or uh, Twitter right now and just Google to, or uh, put in Tim McCarver, there's some amazing highlights of some of his greatest calls. And he had a really unique personality to him, um, was not afraid to tell it like it is. I think that's part of the reason why he was so popular and was such a great foil to uh, Joe Buck as he spent so many times in the booth with Joe. Yeah, them on Fox. Yeah, all the big games. I'm, you know, just type his name in the one, you know, 2001 World Series, but also the uh, 2011 World Series, that game six where David Freeze. Uh, had the big home runs. I mean, that game, I remember watching that game. That was wild. So, um, yeah, I'll I remember who he's big at during the home run chase with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. I'm, you know, I'm young, so I remember him as a broadcaster more than more than a player. But, I mean, I saw that. I was like, oh, man, Tim McCarver. And he had been, you know, retired for a couple, couple of years now. And who John Smoltz took over. So, although Joe Buck doesn't even do baseball anymore. He's He's – Strictly football now with ESPN. Monday, so. Monday Night Football guy with it. Uh, but anyways, uh, RIP to uh, to Tim McCarver. Unfortunately, a couple of sad passings in the world of sports today. Um, All right, gang, we'll get out so we can get this pod loaded up and people can get their uh, WST fix before 6 o'clock puck drop tonight in Columbus. Um, Tomorrow, though, we'll have a big, big show. Lots of Jets news to talk about as the team will be off for a couple days heading into three and four in New York City. Ken Weeb will join us from NYC, Scotty Billick as well. Uh, and we'll also have the Hacksaw pop by to get his thoughts on the Super Bowl that was passed, some big coaching news, and a look ahead to the offseason in the NFL. And I'm sure some of the other big stories in the world of sports. Big thanks to Dan Fink, who joined us today. Great stuff with Ted Wyman and Brandon Rewicki. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks to all of our sponsors, folks. Stay warm, and we'll see you tomorrow to tee up the very busy weekend at 1 o'clock live on YouTube on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Don't forget, winnipegsportstalk.com slash contest if you want to win tickets to Sunday's Dylan Sandberg bobblehead night for the Manitoba Moose. Enjoy tonight's game. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Oh, my God. Oh!
Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.